BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hey, this is Scott Norton, and you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is a network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Donovan here with the young boy Josh Smith and Mavs Gillis on today's show, reviewing the finals of the New Japan Cup, answering your questions, and covering all this news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network or to Keeping It Strong Style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Protestant Tea store, ProstonTees.com slash Social Suplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting SocialSuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com. With features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit NJPWEXT.us today for details. And like you heard in the intro, we are joined by Mavs Gillis. Mavs, how are you doing, man? Wonderful, gentlemen. It is great to be on the podcast with you both. And uh, thank you. For having me, uh, such an exciting time coming off New Japan Cup and going into Sakura Genesis. Yeah, I um, we were on some post on Twitter and I saw you commenting about you know your picks and you know the brackets and I was like ah well we might need to we might need to get you on there to talk about it. Fortunately, 
we got you after the end of the the cup. But uh, you know, very eventful time, and we're we're happy to have you. Well, I can tell you how all four of those brackets went because I went in four pools and picked four different things, and they all just uh, – you might as well just light the sheets of paper on fire. That's why the sheets of paper of the NCAA March Madness are on fire. Uh, those ones were 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 lit lit up pretty pretty much. I had Osp- – I think I had Shingo winning um, one of them. That was the closest I got. Mm. So – that's that's bracketology 101 <laughs> gentlemen yeah i saw that you entered into our contest and so yeah that was that was pretty cool and yeah my brackets were lit up in fire too pretty much from from day one you know with, with um you know i had okada beating Shingo. i had okada going to the finals against osprey so i was pretty much done after that i'll, I'll take my victory laps later on in the, the episode <laughs> <laughs> but uh uh you're burying yourself a little bit here mavs i mean there's uh, i proved some of these questions and we got some ncaa you know march madness questions later on for you so <laughs> All right, we'll see what I can do. <laughs> well, you know, Matt, every time we have a new guest here on the show, we just kind of like get a little background on their time, you know, watching New Japan and their New Japan fandom. So, first of all, just tell the listeners, how did you get started watching New Japan? Well, of course, you're always looking for more and more pro wrestling. And being a WWF kid growing up, I think my first real exposure to Japanese pro wrestling in general was seeing the magazines when uh, Tenru had the WWF guys over for um, SWS shows. So that was my first real exposure to it. And then you'll learn about these other other promotions, the New Japans and the All Japans. And my, my, my good friend, Big Mark up here in Cape Breton, Patrick McNeil, um, he's a, another play-by-play hockey voice. We used to joke all the time about how it's not a Japanese wrestling match unless you see a trophy outside the ring. <laughs> every time you'd look in the magazines, you'd see these matches from Japan and they'd have trophies. Yes. So we were thinking, all right, they just like a, a Saturday superstars is the trophy and they'll just be getting these up. They still do in stardom, I guess. But any, <clears throat> anyways, um, I have to give a lot of credit to Omega Okada for mm. really getting myself back into into saying there, there's something really good going on over with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Mm. Um, and that was where my interest really began to peek into it and starting to, to really pay attention. Uh, I then, you know, ended up in a relationship with a girl from Japan. We met in Nova Scotia, still going strong. Um, but that... Uh, it enabled me to uh, to take the bucket list trip and go to Japan. So went to uh, a Kazuna Road Show in in 2017, I think it was, and then was back another year and met Harold May as he's doing his meet and greets as he did. Just a casual conversation that turned into me kind of mustering up the confidence to find a way to contact them online, send them an email with a tape. And before you know it, um, well, three weeks later, as I'm about to fly back to Canada, I'm in the uh, departures lounge waiting for my flight and my phone buzzes and he responds to that email and we're off to the races from there. So it started with sending a couple trial matches back and forth. And here we, uh, here we go to new Japan and we've uh, been, Done ten cards at Corican, been 
down the States for some of the U S tours and had a couple things planned before COVID shut everything down. So, uh, I'm a real fan of that COVID-19. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. How, how was your, your time working English commentary in new Japan? Oh, it was the, it was the greatest. It was the absolute, it was a dream come true for like, and you know, it's, I'm working with Lanny Poffo to start things off. So <laughs> I'm blown away by that. Um, Lanny gave it his best effort. And he's the first one to tell you he gave it his best effort. Uh, he, We made sure he had a very good visit in Japan. And we had a lot of fun and a lot of memories uh, from the commentary booth with Lanny. It was a great experience, and I still actually will send him a Facebook message every once in a while. He's down in Ecuador now, so he's mm. enjoying that retired life. <laughs> but just working with Chris, um, working with Rocky, uh, getting a chance to, to chat a bit with Kevin has been really cool. But really, I mean, it's it's the, to be at ringside and putting your voice and your call as kind of the soundtrack to that action – it's an unbelievable feeling and you know, it's, you, you've built up, you're, we're watching the guys on njpwworld.com week after week, day after day and seeing them, you know, being the one to call it is a huge honor. It's a huge privilege. It's something I hope we, I can get back to, to doing more of as that happens. Yeah. Um, you know, especially if things open up again for us tours, I mean, I, I'm, as a, uh, at the point, you know, I'm, I'm sitting behind Kevin Kelly right now. That's Kevin's chair until Kevin says, uh, well, I'm, I'm good for my trips to Japan. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, you know, as I, I said, it's, it's like the, the backup to Joe Montana and Brett Favre. Kevin Kelly's the best in the business right now. So yeah. just waiting, you know, and, and trying to stay ready for that. But that's, you know, that's really, it really is. It's so, it's so it's so cool. It's so awesome. And, you know, work in production with, with Chris and trying to, you know, come up with ideas for how we're calling things. Like I, I got to, and you know what? And I got to call CMLL um, for Fantastica Mania the last two years and getting exposed to Lucha more. Uh, I'm very grateful for that as well. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been incredible. Yeah. That, uh, that tour that you mentioned with Lanny Poffo, like, uh, say what you will about it, but there's a, a few incredible poffoisms that were born out of that, that we still that we still use on this show. But uh, in all seriousness, you know, um, you know, if, if if we thought like, for instance, if we weren't fans, we thought you sucked, we wouldn't say anything, but we we just keep it quiet. But like, in, in all actuality, you've got two fans sitting right here, uh, you know, big supporters, you know, from day one once we saw you and and kind of heard your voice and. You know, we'd like to see you work with the company more going forward. That'd be cool. Thank you, man. I, I really, I really appreciate that. That uh, does mean a lot. I really, I really appreciate it. And you know, and as I say, it was, it, it was a, a build. It's been, you know, it's, it's, you know, when I say I sent an email, and it, it's not like I didn't, I didn't pay my dues in, in sports casting and broadcasting. I've been at it for, well. I mean, my earliest memories is calling a calling table hockey against my dad when I was three. So if that counts, that counts. But, uh, yeah. Been, uh, yeah, it's it's been a it's been a long journey. I'm getting ready for a hockey game tomorrow night, and it's you know, New Japan 
really lends itself to a sports casting feel because it is it, it is the king of sport and it is a sports um, a sports atmosphere and a sports presentation. It's not like, as I like to say, the family business in Connecticut, and and that sh- and you know what and that stands for um, a lot of you know what that stands for all the Japanese wrestling. I should say that it is that sports presentation that is sometimes lacking from some wrestling organizations around here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, what is your uh, favorite New Japan match? My favorite New Japan match, um, I don't even, I, you know what, I don't know if it counts as a New Japan match because it was uh, Suzuki's 30th anniversary mm. where Okada and Suzuki went uh, 30 minutes in a downpour in Yokohama. And it, it does, you know, I, I was able, I was there and oh, nice. it holds a real special place in my heart because it reminded me of seeing like you, you will, you'll see photos of baseball fields uh, just filled with people around wrestling rings from the 1930s and the 1940s. And it's an event at the red brick uh, warehouse in Yokohama that day, there was about 40,000 people all just on the flat ground lining uh, to watch these, these two combatants go at it in a, in a ring in the middle of a downpour it really harkened back to that type of um, that type of prestige for professional wrestling, and so that's why it does hold a it, it holds a special place in my heart. Technically speaking, I don't think it's actually a New Japan match, but spiritually, I mean, how could you argue it's not? I mean, it absolutely <laughs> was. <laughs> yeah, it's I I don't is it part is it canon as they say? Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, no, it, you know what. Um, and really, I mean, if I was to, if I was to look at a, a new Japan match that, um, you know, currently is, is one of my favorites. I, I think when I saw Tanahashi, when, when, uh, when Tanahashi won the IWGP title at, at the, at the last, at his last wrestle kingdom where he won the title against Omega. Beating Omega. Yeah. yeah and, and, and I, I think that was you know that was a culmination of a lot of things. Yeah, and yeah, you know I'm I'm a very big Tanahashi mark. I mean that guy is you know he's the ace for a reason. Right. And I love how he I love how he carries himself. He's an absolute rock star. Yeah. Well, that might answer our final question before we get to our topics. But uh, would you say that's your favorite New Japan wrestler, or is it somebody else? Like I take uh, there's a lot of things that I love about. A lot of guys in New Japan, <laughs> Tanahashi, and how he carries. You know, as a taco, Tana's the man. Tana's the absolute ace. We were in as we were in Miami after a show, and he's in the front seat, and he's having a full conversation in Espanol with the uh, Uber driver from his time at CMLL. <laughs> wow! And and he's he's lighting up the room, um, and he provides that great energy. I love the intensity of Minoru Suzuki. Yeah. I love Kazuninare. I love how at 53 years old, he's still a badass. And as we were recording this, uh, they're doing a virtual online meet and greet with Suzuki. That's and right. Charlton, Chris is Chris Charlton's hosting it. So um, 
uh, our thoughts and prayers to the family of Chris Carlton. Um, you know what? It's been fun working with you, son. I hope, I hope, I hope you get out of the hospital soon. We're just gonna just, I'm just gonna assume that ha- that's how it ends. Uh, you know what? If there's a guy that I, uh, I might get in heat for saying this. If there's a guy that uh, I look at and say, "Yep." That's how I would have been as a pro wrestler. Yujiro Takahashi. I'm sorry, guys. That's mm. exactly what it would have been. <laughs> like, I know I got a little ton of Taka, Takahashi flow on the go right now. Um, you picked yeah, the wrong Takahashi. It's supposed to be Hiromu. Huh? You picked the wrong Takahashi. Uh, you should have picked Hiromu. <laughs> <laughs> no, ta- I, it would yeah no it wouldn't have been Hiromu. These things don't leave the ground, my friend. Yujiro <laughs> uh, Takahashi would have been the closest I would have been uh, to seeing me as a professional wrestler. Nice. So, and I, again, when he gets in the ring, I don't know who. I, and, and this is not not to be disrespectful to him because I think he's a hell of a wrestler. He's a hell of a hand in the ring. But someone once said, if you imagine that Takahashi is at least buzzed or maybe even a little smashed while he's wrestling, it makes his matches that much more fun. Like, like, yeah, you know what? You're, you're not wrong. But he's a sound mind and he's a great mind for the business. But yeah, that's uh, another guy I like there. So no, there's there's a lot of, you know, I always go back and forth on, on guys that I, I truly enjoy watching. Mm. I mean, I, the whole roster top to bottom is just so talented. Man. Well, that's awesome. Um, we got some stuff to jump into here. We've actually got a comment. Um, I'm going to start us off. It's uh, from underscore stress underscore. He said, hi, guys. I can't think of a question, so I just want to say thank you guys for the podcast and the work you put into it every week. Watching NJPW slash wrestling in general has been getting me through a rough 2020, even rougher start to 2021. More importantly, though, your discussions have added to that enjoyment. I love how if you guys don't enjoy an aspect of a match, character, or program, you actually use critical thinking to find out the reason um, why you felt that way or how slash why Gato slash The Office made a certain creative decision, as opposed to simply burying it or throwing out some hot take for clicks and controversy. We love pro wrestling, right? The greatest art form on planet Earth. Your pod reminds me of this fact every time I listen. Thank you. Anyways, much love from Australia. Fuck evil. And as always, get NJPWEXT. <laughs> yeah, so a great comment there from Reddit user underscore stress underscore. Thank you for sending that comment in and listening to our show every week. So And NJPW Danny loves it even more to hear that NJPW NXT. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's a plug right there, too. Yeah. And evil's listening, and he's upset right now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So we got some uh, New Japan Cup to talk about. So last time we left off, we were we had the quarterfinals, semifinals, and the, and the finals to talk about. So last time on Keeping It Strong. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to just kind of run through the results of some of the undercards of these shows and then uh, kind of give our thoughts on the quarters, semis, and finals. Lots to talk about there. So we'll start on Thursday's show from March 18th. Uh, we had the show opening up with uh, Yuya Mora defeating Gabriel Kidd. We had Great Okan and Jeff Cobb defeating Otosuji and Yuji Nagata. We had the Bullet Club team of Bad Luck Fale and Kenta defeating Juice Robinson and Toa Hanare. We had LIJ, Bushi, Shingo, and Naito defeating Chase Owens, Evil, and Taiji Ishimori. 
And then the semi-main event was the first quarterfinal match of the night. We had David Finley, accompanied by his Impact Tag Team Champion partner, Juice Robinson, pulling the big upset and defeating Jay White. 19 minutes and 26 seconds. This had to be one of the ultimate bracket busters. Loyola Chicago stand up. (laughs) That's the bracket busters right now. Man, I love that they are running with David Finley, especially like you're looking at a guy who's come back from, I think it's, is it, is it two or three shoulder injuries now? He's had to rehab so much to see him be given this presence to, to have a run um, and getting a big win over Jay White, especially with their history of being uh, dojo boys. It's mm-hmm. so great to see David getting his chance to to shine in a, in a bit of a singles role. And uh, I would also – I'd say it's, it's something that is going to be able to put him um, – you know, Juice always gets – you know, Juice has been in G1s. Juice has had some title runs. This really elevates David up to that status to make him uh, more equal with Juice. Yeah, I I completely agree with that, uh, you know, assessment. And this just really took us by surprise. I mean, um, once once I watched the match, I kind of went back and I listened to some other, like, podcasts, some other, you know, groups kind of saw what their takes were. And you know what? seems like we were the only ones who were completely counting David Finley out. <laughs> uh, some other smarter smarter minds in the, in the you know, in this realm were sort of see, putting the, reading the tea leaves and realizing, like, oh, well, if they, if they have Jay White go through, then it's going to be him and Will. Then you've got a big eliminator. They're like, there's a good chance Dave Finley might win here. But, like, on this podcast, we're like, Dave... You know, there's three things that are certain in life, like death, taxes, and Jay White beats David Finley. Yeah. Like we, we just thought it was a foregone conclusion. And then once I saw that he actually beat him, I was like, I li- it, it, this was such a great moment. Even if, you know, I wouldn't rate the match as a classic, although it, it's probably still like four stars. It's a really great match. But at the end of it, I'm like standing up on my chair, like holding my head like, did he just fucking win? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, man. It it was awesome match. I also won four stars on it. It was just one of those things where it's like the the format was it was very similar to the Toa Hanare match that we saw with Jay White, where Jay was pretty much in control majority of the match, beating down on Finley. Um, And then you had Juice, you know, stepping in and removing Gato from ringside, kind of giving Finley more of a fair shot there. And then... Finley is firing up, coming back, hitting the, the Prima Nocta, his version of the stunner, uh, followed by the acid drop and just getting the, the clean pinfall there. Like Josh said, it was just one of those shocking, you know, moments that just captured you. It was like, wow, he finally did it. You know, these guys have, uh, you mentioned that history from the dojo system. I believe uh, Jay says it was 12, 12 matches in a row that he beaten Finley. And just based on the way that Finley has been booked previously, like you mentioned, he's not the guy that's in the G ones. He's not the, getting the singles pushes. He's a, you know, he's been seen as a tag guy. You know, when he came back and had that feud with Archer, Archer beat him pretty quickly. And so, due to previous booking, you just kind of overlooked this guy. At least I did, uh, and you wouldn't think he would have a chance of beating former IWGP champion Jay White. And and, and the nice thing about that win is it now, it really does elevate uh, David Finley into conversation about. Does he fit into the G1 upcoming? And I know there's still a, a, a few months left before to, to give a, a bit of body of work to that claim. But it re- like it makes everyone think, okay, David Finley in the G1 makes sense. 
Yeah, I totally agree. One thing I thought was interesting at the end of this match, Jay White in the post-match comments basically uh, was just completely forlorn, you know, beside himself. And then he was like, David, do you realize what you've done? <laughs> I was going to split these titles. He's like, you just screwed Tanahashi and Okada. Like, you, you've ruined everybody's legacies. They're all gone. <laughs> so that, that part was great. Um, do we want to move on to the main event, though? Yeah, so we, we had a question from Dom Homie, but I think we pretty much uh, covered, answered his question without asking. He is just asking our thoughts on David Finley upsetting Jay White in the New Japan Cup, which I think we're all pretty... Uh, positive on that and you know we'll talk more about you know finley's performances uh later on in this yeah, tournament. his run is far from over in this <laughs> tournament um so yeah so the main event the other quarterfinal match we had will osprey defeating sonata 18 minutes 55 seconds that's just summed up very well by the uh gif of sonata flipping off will osprey and the promo of the year saying i hate his face <laughs> or something like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I feel like he's not alone in that in that uh, feeling. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a lot of fans uh, channel Sonata. Um, my my feelings on this match were, this was, I, I I I don't know. A lot of people, am I just getting to the point where like I'm just completely down on Sonata because I, I wasn't high in the Ishii match and everyone else seemed to be pretty high on that. I wasn't super high on this match either, although I thought it was a good like a a good to great match. But um, for me, like Sonata, I, he's just. The epitome of like paint by numbers, like his match, he comes out there, and I mean, from a technical standpoint, an athletic standpoint, he's second to none. But from the facial standpoint, the charisma standpoint, the fire, the investment, I'm just like, ugh, there's nothing there. Um, you know, Will beat him, and I was like, thank God. <laughs> 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 and uh, you know, they 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 had what what I would call. A fitting main event. I mean, it, it probably was close to that four-star range, but I never was in doubt that Will was ever going to lose. Uh, the big thing here was just Sonata keeping up with his pace and Sonata, you know, working over the nose, which was allegedly broken, but ultimately, you know, not enough to overcome, you know, a Stormbreaker. Right. What do you think, Mavs? Um, you know what? You, you do hit it. You're trying to find what that one thing is with Sonata that's going to put him over the top because athletically, you're right, second to none and great psychology of really working the nose of Will Ospreay. But that Osprey and Empire right now really have built themselves into the uh, the must-watch faction of New Japan. So, yeah, yeah you, kind of, you kind of saw it and you're, you know, I, I, if I'm remembering, you know, Sonata had a, a, a nice run uh, in February. He had his title shot. We'll see what they do with him, though. We'll see what where, where it goes from there. Yeah, I feel like he's just kind of treading water right now until they kind of figure out a game plan for him. Um, you know, I really did enjoy the Ishii match just because I felt like for the first time in a while he, he had some fire, and Ishii kind of made him wrestle that, that Ishii never strong style match. It was interesting to see him work that kind of match. You know, Osprey and Sonata had a match in the G1 previously that I really enjoyed. But for whatever reason, like, this match was a great... I went four stars on this. I thought it was a good main event for this show. But I just remember that G1 match. I believe it was 2019 G1 that was. Um, and they just had a, a really fast-paced, really innovative match. And I thought it was awesome. And, and for here, I just didn't know. I don't think Sonata really took that into the, the next gear here. And Wells wrestling a little bit of a different style now. Not doing as many high-flying, high-paced stuff. He's doing more... Of striking, uh, more power moves, and so I don't know if that kind of messed with the dynamic of the match I liked previously. 
Uh, but yeah, I thought it was a, a great main event for, main event for this night. Uh, but would have liked to see a little bit more. I, I just think it's the emotionlessness. It's the lack of facials for me more than anything else. And then you know, I'm sure there's people listening. They're like, "But that's his thing," and I'm like, "Well, his thing's not that entertaining." So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think the skull, the cold skull, is is a way to kind of you know hide behind. It, it was great, you know, six years ago. <laughs> uh, you know, there, there needs to be growth, and growth is not just changing your beard and changing your attire. It's you know, it's more than that. The character actually needs to grow. I do. You know, it's funny. I find him compelling when he's doing promos. And when he's doing the press conferences and he's coming out and he's, you know, he's got the fresh drip on, like, I think he looks like a star. But uh, obviously he looks like a star. But, yeah, I don't know, man. When he's wrestling, I'm just like, snooze. <laughs> yeah. Sonata's suit game is second to none, that's for yes. sure. And and his shoe game as well. Let's, yes. let's, not, let's not knock his shoe game either. He's, he's hashtag no socks. Remember in Dallas yeah. where, where, like, he looks like a Colombian drug lord? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Was that the hat? Uh, I don't remember. I think maybe. I think, I think he did have a hat, yeah. He had, like, fuzzy yeah. slippers on. I don't know. It's crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, well, we can move on to the uh, semifinal night here, March 20th. Uh, show opened up. We had the Chaos team of show, Toriano and Yoshihashi, defeating the Bullet Club team, Bad Luck Fale, Chase Owens, and Jado. The LIJ team of Bushi, Sonata, and Naito, defeating Doki, Taichi, and Zack Sabre Jr., we had Hoshi Tanahashi, Kazuchika Okada, and Kota Ibushi defeating the Bull Club team of JY, Kenta, and Yujiro Takahashi. Gonna stop here because we yeah. did have something very crazy happen in this match. There was an earthquake that happened in the middle of this match. And not John Tenta. <laughs> <laughs> how, many, uh, how many John Tenta gifts were thrown out during, this, uh, during that 20-minute break? I, I, I've only experienced one earthquake in my life. And I think it was an earthquake. And again, as a good maritime boy, uh, it was last January or two Januarys ago in the uh, on the twentieth floor of the Tokyo Dome Hotel. Wow! And things started shaking. And in my head, I'm like, "Geez, it must be really windy outside." And then it clicked in my head, like, "No, you're not in Nova Scotia. You're in Japan <laughs> right now. There's there's actually a thing called earthquakes, and you're experiencing one." So. I, I've only had a, a little minor experience, but seeing how they handled it and especially watching how kind of everyone that just around the ringside was just calming the fans and just saying, all right, just relax. We're going to get through the shake and we'll go from there was, uh, you know, I, I've never I've never seen an earthquake at New Japan until now, but they handled it pretty well. I'm sure they I'm sure they've prepared and planned for that due to the, you know, just the nature of the island. I guess that's definitely a possibility. I hadn't thought of that, but you know, um, whether it was preparedness or whether it was just quick thinking, you know, hats off to the performers and the staff and the fans as well. Because I mean, something like that happened here in the states. I mean, it'd be dude, chaos. <laughs> yeah, there, people would be trampling each other. <laughs> there were a couple people. If, if you rewatch, there's like one or two people that like try to like scuttle away real quick, but. Um, you know, thankfully, you know, the situation was, you know, handled well and everything stayed under control and, you know, the, the natural disaster, although, I mean, it was significant 7.2. I mean, that's nothing to scoff at, but you know, a lot of their buildings are built for code for that sort this very reason. So, um, yeah. And we did have a question uh, from Dom homie one-on-one asking, uh, our thoughts on how new Japan dealt with the earthquake situation. And then what was our real time reaction to the earthquake? 
So I think we're all in agreement that they handled it uh, pretty well. But what was your reaction, Maz, uh, seeing that? Like I, I, I think about, and again, this is this is dating me. I think about uh, when the World Series between the San Francisco Giants and the Oakland Athletics, where there was an earthquake before Game Five, moment like a minute or two before first pitch, and it basically shut down the series for a couple of days. And it was a big earthquake out in California. Um, you know what? You, you're left trying to think what what's happened, what's going on. And then, oh, it's an earthquake because you're you're kind of at the whim at that point to say, I hope it's not too bad because you you just you don't know what's going on outside of the that venue. So you do check the Twitter right. to see what's going. You know, is this gonna is this a really bad earthquake or is this just a little you know just a a run of the mill earthquake? Which again, a run of the mill earthquake freaks the hell out of me <laughs> yeah i think um one thing is the uh the performers uh, you know one thing is like jay white he kind of took the opportunity to sort of entertain took it upon himself to grab the double gold as well as the never title scurry <laughs> off with it which was you know kind of keeping things light but you know really it was um uh you know the golden aces as well as uh uh, what are the names of these two tag teams? The Golden Aces and the um, the Mega Aces. And the Mega Aces, the, conglom- the conglomerate of those two teams together, uh, standing in the middle, just kind of telling everybody to keep calm, you know, and then sort of just posing, taking pictures, yeah, and, I, I, and I entertaining love, everybody. I love Tanahashi's method of just flashing his abs to, <laughs> to everybody in the crowd, like, it's, it's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> everybody stare at the abs. Just be hypnotized by the body. We will be fine. And again, to go uh, to go pro wrestling, Gorilla Monsoon, all oh, these three gentlemen in the ring together, of course the earth is going to shake. <laughs> No, that's literally like yes. so many people are like, you know, these yeah. three these three powers all all you know together in the ring at the same time, like the earth couldn't handle it. Yeah. Just, you the know. Titans combined to force the tectonic space to come across <laughs> each other. Yeah. All the hyperbole. All the hyperbole you learn in broadcast journalism school, you use it in that situation. But, but, but I figured, you know, once this was over, I was like, I guess the match is over. Nope, they, they still had the match. <laughs> the show must go on, pal. <laughs> hey, we're live, pal. And, uh, you know, good prevailed. Um, one thing here that was noteworthy was just kind of the tension between Okada and Ibushi, which was sort of palpable. Mm. And it sort of, you know, would trickle over into the the finals the next night, which I'm sure we'll talk about it more there. But, you know, I kind of saw it here quite a bit. Yeah, you know, beginning of the match, Tanahashi and Ibushi are kind of, you know, posing together and Okada's to their back. You know, Okada's, and he's, he's not down with the whole title unification thing like many fans are. He doesn't want uh, the titles to be to unify his legacy to to be gone. And so... Definitely some heat there, which I think is going to build to a big match to for Ibushi and Okada. Yeah, he's taking away all of Okada's records now. They're they're rewriting the record books for Ibushi. So I, I mean, Okada and Tanahashi both have reason to have uh, have some heat with uh, with Ibushi right now. <laughs> Depends on how you look at it. I mean, he also could look at it as him solidifying all of Okada's unbreakable records. <laughs> right. <laughs> Very true. Very true. But uh, that takes us to our semi-main event, and the first semi-final match of the evening, it was Will Ospreay with B. Priestley taking on Dave Finley with Juice Robinson. Yeah, I, I absolutely loved this matchup. You know, 
you, you come into this match with the, the seed of doubt planted in your mind. Can, can Finley do it again? Can he get that upset again? And just the way that these guys worked the match was tremendous with Finley being the underdog and then leading, building up to that spot where Osprey pushes him out the ring off of the, the acid drop. He hurts his leg. Um, and then Osprey is working over the leg, takes the boot off, has the figure four on, cranking on the ankle, really working that boot. And, uh, you know, Finley becomes that, that one again man in the asking contest. And he is trying and he's fighting and he's fighting. You can feel the crowd just um, get, getting the empathy for him and getting behind him. And just with every desperation move, you just wanted him. I, at the end of the match, like, man, I, I kind of want Finley to win. Uh, he, he hits that uh, the prima knocked up mid air out of the Oz cutter, yeah. which was awesome. Which was, that was a great spot. And like he, just, yeah. he got so close to hitting the acid drop again. I was just like, oh man, like I, I can't believe it. I want Finley to win this. <laughs> <laughs> but once again, it just keeps uh, building Will Osprey as that guy you want to hate even more, and you've got all the sympathy on Finley, and well. Will takes it away from you again. Yeah, I uh, one thing I really, really like is, you know, in these tournaments, sometimes, you know, there are certain matchups that you just kind of think, well, you know, it's a foregone conclusion. And I guess that's sort of how you could have seen this one. But with the sort of momentum of the upset that Finley came in with, it wasn't so much. Will he win as much as I hope he wins? Right. You know, and so it was like, I don't think he's going to. But he's someone I can really rally behind and hope to see another, you know, is he the little engine that could? Is he going to get up that hill? And um, that's that's always fun and exciting. It's not just, you know, well, Will's going to beat him. It's like, well, maybe maybe, maybe he could squeak it out, you know. And, and, and even if he doesn't, it's a great story. One thing I noticed, you were uh, telling the story about how, like, his foot was injured and how that played such a major role in the story. And... The way he was selling it just reminded me so much of the several times I've seen uh, Randy Savage when he's like sold foot injuries in matches and like he's had the boot off uh, a couple times come to memory. The match with Bret Hart at Saturday night's main event, Mm. the match with Shawn Michaels over in England and like Finley just hopping around on the one foot. I was like, there's there's no way that he didn't watch (laughs) some Randy (laughs) Savage before this match. Um, And it worked like a charm. And um yeah, man. I mean, this is this is a case of someone you know gaining more in loss than you know potentially what they would have gained in in winning. So, uh, I I just I think we've always liked David Finley, but now we're like truly invested in David Finley, which is awesome. And um, the heat that Will Osprey kind of generated for his character going into the finals, I think it really made people want to see him lose going into the last day, which is you know that's the goal. He's yeah. The heel. Yeah. And and you know what you. Josh, you bring up a really good point about that Randy Macho Man Savage selling of the leg because the, he, Savage would sell the leg before the match even started sometimes yeah. to really build the sympathy to it. And, yeah, you definitely saw shades of that when he was when he was hopping around, boot off. That's just, you know, again, he, he's a third-generational talent, so he's, he's going to know those tricks <laughs> of the trade, I guess. Definitely. Uh, we had a question here from Reddit user Just a Little Bear Zero One. Uh, it says, "Do you feel David Finley has surpassed Juice as a better half of the team?" Oh, ah, that's a tough one to say. I mean, here's here's my thing. Um, if he's your preference skill wise, then possibly. But until he's done 
the things that Juice has done and been the places Juice has been and worked the main events that Juices has worked. Juices, but uh, that Juice has worked. Um, <laughs> you know, don't talk to me about Dave Finley surpassing Juice Robinson. You know, I know we've been hard on him and had some criticisms over the past year, but he's still Juice Robinson. I mean, this is still. I mean, I've never seen Dave Finley perform on the level I've seen Juice do numerous times. So, yeah, Debbie's built up a lot of momentum, but Juice is still Juice. Uh, he's still had a U.S. title reign. He's still. Um, He's still been in G1s countless times. When I, I, I'm very interested to see if they do give us a Juice versus David match in cool. a G1, mm. and what that what that could do and what that could build towards would be would be would be really interesting. And, and you know, they're. They've got the Impact Tag title, so who knows what is in store for them on this side of the Pacific as well, uh, leading up to the G1. Before Dave Finley beat Jay White, there was Juice beating Kenny Omega, and I'll just leave it at that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you guys. I don't think uh, Finley has surpassed Juice just yet, but you know the momentum is starting there. Like I, I would love to see Finley in some more single roles later out this year. Hopefully, maybe, maybe a G1 like we're, talk, we're speculating about or just some other match. Maybe give him a never-title match. You know, give him some some shots there. And I, I think building up this body of work could get Finley to Juice's level. And then, like you mentioned, Matt, I think a rivalry between both these guys would be great. Yeah, and, you know, and I still do love that Finn-Juice tag team as well. And, you know, and I know, and we are talking a bit about David Finley and G1. There is going to be a couple other factors that come into play into that conversation due to the fact that by the by the fall, we don't know what the border restrictions are going to be, and we don't know who's going to be available to, to come into Japan, um, which is why we saw a couple people in the G1 this year that you wouldn't normally see. I think I think he's they're going to – I hope it's built to a part where – you know, Finley does his work to get into that tournament. Um, we'll see how, you know, I don't think, let's just say he doesn't want to be the C block champion anymore. He <laughs> may have started the C block, but I'm sure he is ready to give the golden thumbs up uh, trophy off to a couple of the, uh, the younger talent. And he's looking at, uh, accumulating points on the big board not the uh not the twitter board yeah it's gonna be a tough run for him because you know you have guys like great Ocon that are on the run i mean kojima who hasn't had his last g1 yet has been having a great run this year um there's a lot of guys and like you mentioned if things open up could we see a john moxley return could we see some of these guys who have dual contracts there's a lot of free agents um la sombra is you know free agent now could we see a guy like him popping up in the g1 there's gonna be a lot of spots that are gonna be very competitive and you have some guys that are kind of on the border you know you have a yoshihashi who made his case last year and it's continued to make his case he's a, a guy that fans that want to dis- dismiss but i think he's a guy that needs to be in there and you have your suzukis and guys like that who are, are older or fans are like you know does he still belong there so there's gonna be it's gonna be very competitive to get a spot in the tournament this year i mean very well. they could do what i've always been saying they they should do the uh, Go to twelve, four blocks of six, twenty-four man. Do it that way. That would be, uh, yeah. That would be. Hey, I mean, why not? You're. It, it's. 
it's they're never as they a, don't listen to me as i believe it's bruce pritchard who would often say or maybe it was pat patterson show me the stone <laughs> where it's in, that it's two pools of 10 for the g1 show me the stone <laughs> Well, uh, let's move on now to the uh, semi-main of the semi-final match. That was the main event of this evening. We had the Dragon Shingo Takagi defeating Evil twenty-two minutes and forty-three seconds. Um, I don't, I don't have a lot to say here. It was Shingo against Evil. Uh, I think a lot of people hoped and wished that this would be more than it ended up being, but um, Evil did the unthinkable. He made a Shingo Takagi main event during the New Japan Cup twenty twenty-one. Skippable. <laughs> it was your standard evil Dick Togo, you know, schlockfest, and Shingo Takagi overcame all the odds for 22 minutes and, you know, last the dragon this man and got him the fuck out of here. <laughs> Shingo's the war horse, man. Shingo, I, I honestly, you can put that guy in the ring with any situation right now and. He is going to give you the same hard hitting you will see in any level, man. I, but yeah, yeah, I, evil and Dick Togo. Uh, yeah, you know, I, again, that comes back to once the borders open up, is evil going to stay Bullet Club? Mm. Is that, you know, was evil kind of recruited the Bullet Club as a a stopgap and give them a, a big heavy for this run. I'm interested to see what comes out of evil in the next six months. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. You know, that's kind of the idea that we, we had, you know, with, you know, Jay not being able to come into the country during the beginning of the pandemic. Like, they kind of need that Bullet Club front man, and that's why they, they put evil there. And then they were teasing the whole Jay White evil kind of rivalry or feud, and they kind of dropped that. And he just kind of fallen in line of Bullet Club. So I'm wondering, like, yeah, if there is more of that story, like, has he, you know, been pulling the MJF and maybe kind of building his own faction as he's been in Bullet Club? And then we are going to see this this big split down the line, or is it just, you know, they're like, well, we we turned him, he's there, we'll, we'll just keep him there for now. You want the inside <laughs> scoop? Six months ago, when you when you would fire up New Japan World on the Fire Stick, they'd have like four or five guys, the top guys, and one of those guys that was featured was Evil. Several months ago, Evil's no longer on that Fire Stick <laughs> opening app. <laughs> to me, that tells me he is just a guy. <laughs> mm. Back to Jack status. No, no, no. I'm sure. No, they've, they updated, they've clearly got they plans for Photoshop document, eh? <laughs> they clearly got plans for evil. They wouldn't have had him go this deep in this tournament. You know, who knows? We'll see. Yeah, I, I think the big thing here was, you know, they, they wanted to put that again, that seed of doubt in your mind. You know, evil. He went all the way last year. He was here in semifinals. Was he going to kind of cheat his way again? Uh, you know, Shingo with the you know the back taped up, working on the back. You know, he Shingo had you know just a murderer's row of people he had to get to to get to this point. You know, he had to face Okada and Goto and Kenta. Um, he just had some very hard hitting, grueling matches. So you had a weakened Shingo. You had Evil doing alternate against. You had Dick Togo with the Garote Wire. Um, so everything was stacked against Shingo, but he overcame the odds and was able to defeat Evil and move on to the finals. What a story! What a classic! Where were you the night? (laughs) 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 
Oh man, but yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, Shingo's not gonna be happy with Evil lowering his average here for you know the great matches that he had in this tournament. So the New Japan Cup Finals was this past Sunday. Uh, normally we kind of run through these uh, undercards. There were some talking points, so I guess we'll touch on those briefly. But we want to get through to talk about the main event. Um, the night, well, actually, before we get to that, oh yeah, yeah the night started off with the uh, unexpected return of Yo of Rapongi 3K. Uh, he came out dressed in all black, except for he had brown socks on. That <laughs> kind of freaked me out. <laughs> but he came out, dressed the crowd, and basically said, you know, that he'd been gone too long. His knee was 100%. And coming up at Sakura Genesis, he wants to challenge for the junior tag titles with his longtime tag team partner show. And uh, kind of made that intention known and then, you know, left. And uh, that was a welcome surprise. I, I didn't expect it at all. Yeah, we we had two questions here. Uh, one from Dom Hundy one on one. His thoughts on the return of Yo. Is it possible that we may see a swerve and see Yo turn on Show? And then good friend of the show, Dan Coffin, asks, which one is turning on the other, Show or Yo? Well, I don't think either one of these guys want to go to the barber shop just yet. We're going to try to. <laughs> <laughs> um, I you know, looking at the junior tag division right now. I don't know if you want to turn them. I think you want uh, to kind of have have them have a, a another face in there and maybe another run with the tag titles in there if they're uh, able to take the belts, maybe down the road. But I don't I don't know if you're going to see a turn just yet. Well, you know, uh, I don't disagree with you. Or I'm not saying you're wrong, Mavs. But if we abide by the rule. That these guys got to stay together because the junior tag team division is in dire straits and needs them. They are never going to move on in their career <laughs> ever because this is the shittiest, like, <laughs> uh, whatever it's called, thing um, division division ever. Uh, but with that being said, I init- as soon as he came out in all black, I was like, oh, he's turning. Like, that's immediately what I thought. I was like, he's turning, he's turning. But then, you know, there's like three or four other people on this roster that all could potentially turn right now, it feels like, at the end of this show. So I'm like, I, I don't know. Maybe he won't. Maybe maybe Rapongi 3K will run it right again. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I see your point, Mavs, with, with the junior tag titles. I mean, essentially, you got Suzuki Goon and you got Bullet Club of ELP and Taiji, and, and there's not much else out there. Um, so I, I could see them in the time being while the board is still closed down and, and they can bring some more juniors in to once again kind of have Rapungi 3K be on top of the mountain. But at the same time, I do think this is a great opportunity to do something yes. new and split them. And, yeah. I, and I actually think it, there, there's an interesting story of Sho being the one to turn. So this whole time, Sho has... I didn't need you. <laughs> You're right. <Yeah>. Yep. I, <laughs> yep. Sho, he's been doing singles action. You know, he, best of Super Junior Finals. He's, you know, he's big, these big never matches with Shingo last year. You know, he's getting all these opportunities, New Japan Cup last year. And so, you know, he, he's been in that single spotlight and been getting that moment, you know, Title match against Hiromu And you know Yo's the one that came out And issued the tag title challenge And maybe Show might, might not even be down with that Or even knew that was going to happen No, nah, he's down for it <laughs> He said in the post-match yeah. comments okay. He's good uh, But you know th- There could be Yeah that story of like Show if it's eventually It's like you know what Like they lose And he's like you know what I didn't need you I was fine this whole year without you Boom shock arrow Sends them through the, the, the barbershop window and, and then we get this, this breakup And then does that make where does that put show at that point? And where does that, that it's show Michaels. I, I, <laughs> yeah, the show must go on. Yeah, who knows? Right. <laughs> right. 
Oh man, we will see. Uh, we'll find out. But I, you know, I think it's time for them to start drawing some money in the junior division without Hiromu. So you know, that's that's one way they can do it if they want to put a, you know, a shotgun into their arm or whatever. I don't know what to say. What the saying is, <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a weird night with like idiosms and stuff. That's because we got the expert on here. Yeah, I, guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I have those ones as well, especially throwing a break up here with hockey. Jeez. <laughs> Sometimes where I just hear the end of our music, I'm like, I got to wrap this thought. I got to wrap this thought. I got to wrap this thought. I don't know how to do it. We'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> just, just do the, uh, the NXT and the show will roll right on. <laughs> <laughs> you watch NXT? Uh, oh my! God. Occasionally, actually, I haven't, I haven't watched in like a month or so. It's, it's been it's been a while. Oh uh, man! So uh, the the night started off first match of the night. Suzuki Goon team Doki Taichi and Zack Saber Jr. defeated the Young Lion team of Gabe Kid, Yota Suji, and Yuya Yamura. Um, not a lot of talking points here. The one big talking point: um, Yota Suji did not get his. 55,000 or whatever it was uh, tw- likes that he needed. So I don't know if he's going to be fighting Naito anytime soon. I'd love to see it. I do love I do love me some Suji, man. Uh, as, you know, not to go Jim Ross, but former hot football uh, quarterback <laughs> for Yoda Suji. But, yeah, that – you know, there's a guy who the pandemic has uh, kind of put him in such a holding pattern – because he's openly begging to go to CMLL. He wants to get onto his excursion. He's ready for his excursion. He's been uh, he's been Tanahashi's uh, young boy for a long, long time. Suji's ready to to move on. And I, I respect New Japan for really sticking with the system and wanting him to go off on excursion as opposed to just saying, well, You've you've graduated and now you're no longer a young lion. I do I, I respect that they're they're keeping with that tradition. Yeah, we're we're big fans of Suji on this show and I, I think he's been looking great. Look great in this matchup here. Also they they kinda continued the, the story of Zack Sabre Jr. and Gabriel Kidd from their New Japan Cup matchup. I, I think their interactions were really good. They had a really great um, cup matchup as well. And there's a lot of emphasis on uh, Saber and Taichi kind of getting back in the tag game after yes. both uh, failing the New Japan Cup and uh, challenging oh, G.O.D. You know what they're calling G.O.D.? The Dangerous Chodes. <laughs> 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 also, uh, post-match Yui Yamura was basically like, yeah, Suzuki wasn't there, but I uh, I still got a death wish, so I'm trying to fight him. So, yeah, that's, that's still going on. Uh, second match of the night, the United Empire, Great Okan and Jeff Cobb defeated... Satoshi Kojima and Tomoaki Hanma. Looks like we had a question here. Yeah, and this question kind of portraying to um, the great Okan and the Yano match from Reddit user Kaiju917. Is, would you have enjoyed the end to Yano Okan's match more if Okan had gotten a DQ and kayfabe reprimanded for charging with the scissors? Perhaps a kayfabe fine and suspension? I know we've seen plenty of DQs lately, but how about one that includes the wrestler actually being gone for the remainder of the tour as a result? For stabbing a guy with scissors? <laughs> what was that, Vader and Orndorff, or what? I think it was, uh, was it no. Orndorff and no, it was Arn? It was, it was Sid Arn and, and Sid. Arn and Sid, Arn and Sid yeah. Arn and Sid, yeah. 
Yeah, and so I mean, they they could have they could have done the, the DQ finish. Honestly, we talked about it last week. I felt like that was Ocon's match to win. I feel like Ocon should have gone a little bit further in the tournament after that big, you know, win over Naito. That was that was kind of a big moment for him, especially since because he, he kind of kept losing all the big matches he was having, and so that was kind of a big kind of push for him. And then to kind of have this, you know, ridiculous banana banana peel split loss to to Yano to Mew wasn't the right way to go. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I don't know what they should have done there. I think they probably just shouldn't have booked it. <laughs> don't 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 book yourself into a corner if you can't get get out. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think I would have preferred it more if he was an idiot and got himself disqualified <laughs> right after he de- defeated Naito. So yeah, no, I wasn't a fan of it. No matter, I don't I don't see a book other than him winning. I don't see a, a booking I would have been happy with in that situation. Matt, what, what's your thoughts on the great Ocon? There seems to be a big split between oh, yeah. wrestling fandom and wrestling media. Some people think he's a black hole charisma. Some people think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Don't, uh, don't say some people. Let's uh, let's name names. Dave Meltzer <laughs> thinks that he sucks. <laughs> I like him, man. I, again, I think for him to come out as a shock in the Empire and right now to kind of use him as, you know, he... They're dressing him up like he's a mafia hitman, mm. but then he'll come out like a zombie. But no, I I think he's he's got great fundamentals in the ring. Uh, he's he's getting over. He's being a bit of a power ho- horse and uh, putting him like with Jeff Cobb as well. Really is a good dynamic one two punch. I like Arcon. Yeah, we're we're fans of Ocon too. I just think everything the presentation, the in ring style. I mean, we were we were fans of him as a young lion uh, as Oka. Mm. Uh, and I think he's been doing a great job since he returned. You know, his promos without the mic, he's kind of the yelling and screaming thing at the end for his promos, uh, the screaming with the Mongolian chop. I think there's big upside to the great Ocon. And he's a guy that you can see, he, he keeps evolving. Every time he comes out, there's something a little bit different. He changes yep. up the tights. He The hair is not in the ponytail anymore. It's, it's loose. And he, he keeps trying new things and doing different stuff and tweaking and tweaking to really perfect that character. I, I was... I was just going to make a joke. I was going to say, I was a fan of Oka before he was a young lion, okay? I followed him in his college days when he was, <laughs> when he was a Judica and he was throwing motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's hitting some Epon Cienagis. I, you know what? I, again, you made a, a great point in that he's always kind of evolving and it, he, he's different. I mean, the same kind of thing could be said about Master Wado. Is that when he came out, like when we saw those vignettes, we thought, what in the blue hell is this? Literally. And then he came out all, literally, literally. In the and blue hell is this? What in the blue hell is this? But, man, he's taking that and running with it. And the same, the same with uh, Great O'Connor. Yeah, absolutely. Now the uh, the big talking point coming out of this, O'Conn and Jeff Cobb post-match, both teasing that there's a new addition coming to the uh, United Empire. And we'll find out more about that as time goes on. Um, the third match of the night, Bull Club team, Evil, Kenta, Yujiro Takahashi, defeated the team of Sho, Toriyano, and Yoshihashi. Uh, the big story here, though, is that Yoshihashi, who's been fairly protected in recent times, took the pinfall here. And post-match, Kenta stole his um, walking stick. Yeah. His... Uh, <laughs> His scepter, his power source, <laughs> yeah. if you will. And uh, it seems that they're getting ready to kind of that, – that's probably a impetus to uh, 
you know, cause a, a six, a never six man tag team title shot to be the case. Bull club against, uh, uh, chaos. Yeah. yeah definitely kind of commentary kind of drove that fact home. Yeah. You drove in the pin on Yoshihashi. So yeah, it clearly means that, yeah, I think we got a lot of shows coming up. You need some title matches. So I think we'll, we will see evil Kenta and you challenging Yoshihashi, Goto and Tomohiro Ishii. And I'm definitely looking forward to, uh, the Kenta's promos with Yoshihashi's staff. <laughs> Well, we think about, okay, so Yujiro's got his cane. Kenta now has Yoshihashi's uh, staff, I guess, Dick. <laughs> if Evil can bring back his old his old sick, both all three of these guys are coming with lumber, man. Then, you know, that's a that's a gimmick in itself, I guess. Right. I mean, it, it's hard to beat them, you know. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, and you have uh, Dick Togo with, with the wire. So it's like yeah. you have a fully – it's nothing but uh, it's nothing but foreign ex- interference waiting to happen. <laughs> and UGRO can bring back Peter as well. There's another bit of foreign interference. <laughs> I would not mind seeing at the ring. <laughs> yeah, this is could become the, the unbeatable team. <laughs> yeah, the unbeatable team of just loading like just bring, it's turning into New Jack with a shopping cart at that point. <laughs> right, like ref bump, bam, hit with the, with the staff. Yeah. Ref bump, bam, hit with the scythe. Boom, ref bump. You know, hit with hit with the, the wire. Like they're just. Just load it up with the gimmicks. And, and if they're going to lose, the lights will go out, and then Evil will just be standing behind Yoshihashi. <laughs> with <Evil> the sides. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, yeah, moving and, on. Oh. on that note, just, you know, shout out to Peter and Miho Abe. Hope to see them back ringside soon. <laughs> that means all the, all the COVID stuff is well behind us. I, I used to I used to make shout-outs to Peter and uh, Miho Abe, and then my girlfriend was listening one week, and she's like, that was disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> but we're like an hour into the show, so I don't think she'll be listening at this point. <laughs> they're, they, you know, it's all part of us getting back to normalcy and <laughs> yes. getting everyone back in the building, getting them at ringside, getting <laughs> just as say, you know, getting things back to prior to uh, prior to February 2020. Yeah, I mean, they, they are big assets to the company. Uh, their presence is greatly missed. And, yeah, uh, you know, looking forward to their return. Fourth match of the night, LIJ team of Bushi, Sonata, and Tetsuya Naito defeated the team of Dave Finley, Juice Robinson, and Toa Hanare. The big story here uh, was just the sort of disconnect between Finn Juice and Toa Hanare, and he was kind of kept on the outside most of the match. Finally tagged in at the very, very tail end as a hot tag, and then he still ended up eating the pinfall. And, um, you know, at, after he lost, Finjuice kind of just, Moran, you know, meandering off and leaving him sort of <laughs> sort of behind. They, like, sort of left him during the entrance, sort of left him during the, uh, the post-match, and, uh, you know, he seems to be a man sort of on his own there, and he just keeps losing. Yeah, we're, we're seeing the frustration building up with Toa Hanare, another guy that's been kind of treading water, kind of stuck in the same spot. No matter how hard he tries, he just can't kind of break through to that next level. And we're seeing that, that frustration is finally starting to come out now. I know why. It's because he went to Thailand, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna learn Muay Thai. And then he came back. He's like, I learned Muay Thai. And then Gato's like, why didn't you go to a wrestling camp? <laughs> 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 well, you know what? You bring up the Muay Thai and the MMA and all the training. It really could be building to Hanare coming back as a as an absolute killer. You don't we we don't know that if you 
if they bring him back to be a guy that is going to just focus on strikes and submissions and trying to get those quick submissions as, you know, you, you don't want to have Enochiaism, but you want to have a guy that comes in with that strong style, big fight mentality. Maybe that could be where this leads, especially with all the frustration building over to Toei, where he is getting himself to be that focused individual to, you know, look at the, uh, the competitive nature of the pro wrestling aspect. I have to disagree. I absolutely want Inokiism. As soon as you started describing <laughs> what he might be doing, I was like, yes, put this 2003 Inokiism yeah. into my veins. Or Crush 2. I, I, I don't want to see Miko Krokop versus uh, Yuki Nagata ever again. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I kind of wish that yeah they would have played more into Toa Hanare's Muay Thai. I know he he has been incorporating it into his matches, but I wish that would have brought him back with an edge. But clearly, there's, there's some kind of story they're going to be telling here now of him kind of, um, you know, showing his frustration. There's a lot of um, speculation on what this could mean for his future, which we'll talk about um, a little bit later on. Uh, but yeah, so I hope he starts having like little girl tantrums, a la Chris Jericho, nineteen ninety seven. Mm. Just starts like bashing like a <laughs> steel chair on the ground, <laughs> crying in the ground. Yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> um, after that, the fifth match of the night: Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kazushiko Okada, and Kota Ibushi teamed up once again to defeat Bad Luck Fale, Chase Owens, and Jay White. I mean, I don't know any three man team that could defeat. Tanahashi, Okada, and Ibushi So it's sort of unfair But uh, Well you, you say that But when Tanahashi and Okada came together They were They lost they, like every <laughs> single match Yeah you know The Mega Aces came together and then The they, Mega Aces alone are not enough They need the third part of the trifecta mm. And that is the god <laughs> Not a pro wrestling Just god God <laughs> with a capital G Himself Kota Ibushi <laughs> Oh my god yeah, I for the god of yeah the god Kota Ibushi <laughs> now become god uh, along with the Mega Aces. You look at that. You think about that team of those three guys. So Tanahashi, Okada, and Ibushi. If we ever get back to a, a World Cup of Wrestling, put that team against anyone, man. Yeah, mm. there was um. There, what was it? Uh, Fall Brawl 95. The team was Lex Luger, Sting, Macho Man Randy Savage, and Hulk Hogan against the Dungeon Doom. It's like, there's no fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> there's no fucking... Was that, was, wasn't that the uh, the uh, intro of the Yate? <laughs> uh, I think it was around that. It was like in that. I don't think that was the same show. Because I think the Yate was Halloween Havoc night. Right. I think, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's like around that same time period. <laughs> like, bro, nobody's fucking beating them. <laughs> yeah. Hey, no, nobody's beating, yeah, Okada, Tanahashi, and Ibushi. They better hope that, uh, you know, Ishii and Goto and Yoshihashi better hope those guys I want to challenge get some more goal in their repertoire there. The two big talking points, though, uh, more continued tension between Okada and Ibushi. Mm -hmm. Just a lot of tension. Uh, Okada not feeling this Ibushi double title run slash unification whatsoever. And then um, a lot of jaw jacking post-match between Ibushi and Jay White and then Tanahashi and Jay White. Uh, during the post-match comments, Jay White basically stated that he's at a point where he has done a complete 180 on his stance about not unifying the titles. He said that that was 
childish thinking. He he doesn't care about histories. He doesn't care about legacies. He only cares about looking forward. And if the new world heavyweight IWGP title is the main title, that's the belt he needs to be holding in the future. In the meantime, he's going to forge his own legacy. And the way he's going to do that, become the first and only ever quadruple IWGP <laughs> champion. The first man to win both the IWGP title, the IC title, the U.S. title, and finally, the Never title. So he is coming after Hiroshi Tanahashi's Never belt. I kind of looked at the histories. There's not too many people that are still out there that are even eligible to do this feat. And if he does it, he probably will be. I mean, unless Kenny Omega comes back and decides to fight for the Never belt. (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't think anyone else is doing this thing. I'll, I'll I do t- like I do like how they're building up the Neverbelt because if they do take the IC title away and with the US title stuck somewhere in Ohio, I assume um, <laughs> it would you know you do want to elevate the stock of the Never Open Championship and you know Ishii did it, Shingo did it, Tanahashi's done it. That 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 championship title and I mean I've had a chance to write for uh, for Monthly Pro Rest and. Um, that's one of the, one of the things we've talked about was about how that title has really, you know, it, it's had a great, you know, the rise hasn't been like GameStop. It's 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 risen quite well. That's the stock stayed very high. It hasn't crashed yet. So we want to just see it just keep growing. Yeah, I wrote a, a piece for the uh, Voice of Wrestling year in ebook uh, this past ebook that came out this past year uh, talking about the Never title with 2020 being the year of Never. And with, you know, Shingo, I think, did a tremendous job of elevating that title and the main events he had and the feud with um, Suzuki and then, you know, facing off against juniors like Desperado and, and uh, Sho. And the Never title, is just, it's, just, it's just an open possibility of what you can do with it. And it's just been, every time it's out there, it's a great main event. We get these great matches. And so now you have the, the ace, Tanahashi, holding it. And Tanahashi, Jay White, those are two big stars, two former IWGP champions. That's definitely a match you can use to main event you know, there's several big shows coming up that we've talked about. You know, we got Don Taku coming up. We got all these stadium shows coming up. Uh, Dominion will be here before we know it. You need something that you can throw in these main events. And so um, Tanahashi J for the Never title could work. Tanahashi, Tanahashi versus J for the IWGP title is not fitting enough. The only title that is fitting enough is the Never title. The Never title is up here. IWGP title, that shit's washed. <laughs> the Never Committee is much better than the IWGP Committee. Yes. There's a, there's a certain grit that goes with these Never title matches. And I think it's, you know, and you, Jeremy, you nailed it. The way Shingo has built that belt has exemplified just how tough it is to hold and the challengers for, for that championship. Like the, you know, Abushi, I think he, he talked about how this is the best belt. This is the uh, when he was breaking down the the belts for both the heavyweight and the intercontinental. Well, that never title is all about the grit, and uh, we see that in those matches for sure. Yeah, one hundred percent. So, uh, some things to look forward to there, and then that's going to take us to the sixth match of the night, which was the main event for the New Japan Cup twenty twenty one finals, as Will Osprey with B Priestley took on the dragon, Shingo Takagi. Matt, let you take it away first on this one. What do you think of this matchup here? 
and the the word I'm trying to count what words I need to use. <laughs> this match fucking delivered. There it is. Four <laughs> words. <laughs> Holy, yeah. I mean, uh, we've seen them. We we've seen them three times before, and once again for the New Japan Cup. The to build to, to Osprey and Shingo, like I mean. The spot where Osprey just gets flipped over with the pumping bomber and yes. comes off and hits the outsider. Like, they, you know people were mad about that? I, like, I, I understand people are mad it. about that. <laughs> yeah, you know what, man? Like, that is a, oh, my God, I'm on my feet, and instinct takes over moment right yes. there. Well, that, that's how that, – that is how we – we could we could pitch that like nobody rolls I, with punches in boxing, mm. you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there's no there no one stops their foot in boxing either. So, um, <laughs> do they, do they, sla- do they slap their thighs in boxing? There's no there's, there's no legs there's no thigh slapping. In UFC, <laughs> but um, yeah, guys, like that match, holy shit! Like again, a, an absolute thrill ride, and. You really are thinking, okay, we are going to have Shingo Obushi. We're building to it. We're seeing it. We're seeing it. And once again, what does that what does that guy do? Rips it right away from us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I freaking love this match. This was tremendous. The work was spectacular. Like you mentioned, Matt, we, we've seen these guys before. Um, it's always great stuff. A, a little bit of a different story here. This, you know, Will's a, a full on heel now. He's not a junior heavyweight. He's not doing so much the high flying, but he did kind of revert back to the high flying here for this matchup. We saw the off cutter t- uh, from the inside to the floor it was a great spot. We saw the the four fifty uh, from the inside to the outside. Uh, Shingo's length through a table. Uh, that was an incredible spot, and yeah, just there are so many great sequences and counters and, and spots between these in this matchup between these two guys and. They have amazing chemistry. I could watch these guys wrestle each other all day long. Um, and like you mentioned, Matt, they did an excellent job building Shingo. We've seen Shingo kind of uh, show this grit and resiliency throughout all the big battles he's had throughout the tournament. Uh, but this was the final battle. was just too much for him here. You know, the, the body came in being down. Um, the back was taped up. I mean, Osprey had his weaknesses, too, with the shoulder and the nose. But... Shingo just really had some wars. Um, I mean, Osprey had the, the saber match, um, but you look at Osprey's path. You know, he had tens on in the beginning, um, then the saber, then the match with Finley. Like he he had a hard path, but I don't think it was as hard as Shingo's path. And Shingo's body was just beaten down, uh, and Will was just able to finally overcome and take advantage of him towards the end there. Making a lot of excuses. <laughs> Let me just say. Um, this is the third match Will Ospreay and Shingo have had with one another. In my opinion, this is the third best match that they have ever had. I'm going four and three quarters on this match. That tells you how good every match between Will Ospreay <laughs> and Shingo Takagi is. Uh, a true classic. This might be like my second favorite New Japan match of the year this year. Uh, follow, I think, only behind like the Tokyo Dome main event but, uh, with Jay White and um, Kota Ibushi. This match was incredible. Um, 2021, TYBY, the young boys year. This is the second time that I have accurately predicted the winner 
of one of the major tournaments. I got G.O.D. back in December. Uh, oh, wait. Did I not get the... I didn't get the... Uh, Super Junior. Super Junior. <laughs> no, I did. We did? Yeah. I, I said it was going to be Hiromu. Oh, God. So, I'm three for three right mm. now. So, I'm on a roll, bro. This is my year. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, I, I only say that because I got Will Ospreay and Shingo as the finals. And I... I gotta tell you, I, I was predicting Will to win this thing from the get-go, but last week I was not thinking Will was winning this at all. After seeing Shingo main event, all these major events, and have all these great matches and the story, like just like Mav said, like it completely seemed like they were getting ready to build for an Ibushi Shingo match. That was not to be the case whatsoever. Uh logic, you know, the logic that I went into the tournament with that you know, Will being the, the, the new leader of the United Empire kind of needed that, you know, uh, jumpstart to sort of solidify his himself. And I, I'm not convinced he's not even going to beat uh, Kota Ibushi. I'm hearing a lot of people saying he has no chance, but I'm not sure that that's even the case at this point at all. But this match was just so incredible. Um, you know, it, it followed your very typical match layout. You know, hot start. There was a heat, or and then you know there was a shine, and then a heat, and then a comeback, and all that was fine. But what what made it special was like the way that they worked in those body injuries that you were talking about, mm. Jeremy. You know, it wasn't just Shingo getting a shine, but it was him focusing on the shoulder, focusing on the nose, and then Will turning around and being like, fuck your lower back. <laughs> <laughs> you think you're going to walk? And then them going out there at the end of it and doing the things that only they can do, plus, you know, uh, all the the inclusion of B Priestley and everything that she sort of added to the match. And, you know, we're, we're not always the biggest uh, proponents of outside interference and shenanigans, but when it's put in the right framework and context, it can add to a match. And I think she was an asset to this match and it really just made things even better. And it made it different than the first two matches that we've seen between these two. It wasn't just a rehash of old things, but they also still paid homage to the spots and, and everything like that from the first two matches. And um, the, the craziest thing was at the end here, once Will finally got him up, for the last of the or for the uh, Stormbreaker, and then he landed it. I thought to myself, I was so convinced that Shingo was winning that I was like, "We're about to see the first person ever <laughs> kick out of this move." And then when the three landed, I was like, "Oh my god, he beat Shingo!" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, literally shocked. Like my mouth was like agape, and I was like, "I can't believe they fucking beat Shingo!" <laughs> like I knew they were gonna beat Shingo. From before the the tournament started, but once once they built him up to this point, I was like, "There's no way he's losing. Like he's clearly gonna be the guy. Like he's following this certain trajectory." And then Will fucking beats him. Ugh. I mean, this is drama. This is like <laughs> this is art at the highest level. It's crazy. And also, you know, and, and Jeremy, you you playing up on those injuries, it really is a, a testament to to build on Shingo about how much he he went through to get to the finals and also on on, on Will where he had his shoulder injury, he had his busted nose. It it's one, you know, I, I come from, you know, I have my hockey background and 
I'm reminded of a story about when uh, Wayne Gretzky and the Oilers, and you know, this will go off on a little little weird sports tangent. Gretzky and the Oilers, who became <laughs> a, a dynasty in the '80s, they first lost their their first Stanley Cup appearance. They lost the finals to the New York Islanders, and when they were walking past the dressing room of the Islanders who had just won the Stanley cup. They were, they looked in and they expected to see all kinds of partying, all kinds of celebration. And all they saw were ice bags and these guys just, just nursing the, the wounds of war from going through hell to get to the finals and win the championship. And that's the story I get out of everything that Shingo went through of him he now knows what it takes to get to the finals and he now realizes what he has to do to win one of these tournaments and be, uh, you know, get to a championship elevation. I know it goes back to the 84 Oilers and the New York Islanders. And that's a, that's a deep dive, but <laughs> I, I, I think you guys are, I think you guys are picking up what I'm putting down. Definitely. Yeah. I, I think they did a great job elevating shingle stock in this tournament having him go through former new japan cup winners in okada and goto uh kenta winning the u.s uh, new japan cup last year uh beating evil who won the new japan cup last year as well uh former double champion they had him beat all these key guys mentioned he was in the main events i think he's finally getting out of that you know never mid-card middle ground and being elevated, we're going to see him in more main events. We're eventually going to see him challenge for that IWGP title. There was definitely you no know, teases with within the match with him and Ibushi. There was times where Shingo would be, you know, knocked out on the outside, and he was uh, pulling himself back up by the guardrail and staring Ibushi in the face. And they kind of had their little jaw jack, and Ibushi was just kind of like smugly looking at him, like you know, come on, get up, you know, get back in there, you know. And so there's been teases between those guys. So I, d- I definitely think there's a, a big Shingo Abushi match down the line, and we are going to see Shingo challenge for the IWGP World Heavyweight Title in the future. I would challenge and wonder if there's anybody that can find a more difficult route to get to the finals for any other finalist ever in the New Japan Cup. I mean. You know, the, the the very fact that these tournaments are now 32-man tournaments and not 16, that adds, you know, a whole different wrinkle to it. But, I mean, when you look at the the list of guys, I mean, the in recent modern years, since we've been doing this podcast, the only guy that's gone to the finals that's done anything similar that I can think of is, like, maybe... When Sabre. Zach Sa- yeah, I was going to say Zach Sabre uh, in 2018. Other than that, I mean, nobody else has had the, the same murderers. Bro. And you know what? This is probably... Harder than what Zack Sabre went through in 2018 So yeah he, he went through like a litany of top guys To to you know to win Or you know to get to the finals And then to, to lose at the end And uh, something I've always said is that You know uh, oftentimes Gato books tragedies And that's mm-hmm. what this is yep. It's another tragedy Yeah like you mentioned Maz You know he, he knows how to get to the finals now I think it's going to be one of those stories Kind of similar to Sonata Like we've seen you know Every year Sonata was kind of getting further and further Until he finally won it I think we're going to see what's in, with uh, Shingo He's going to keep getting, getting better in these tournaments You know G1 time He's gonna probably going to do better in G1 And eventually he's going to get to these finals again And he's going to win Yeah, That's something I was going to say This is good news in a certain respect Because it's not often that New Japan 
leaves us any breadcrumbs or trails that they don't actually end up paying off. And one of the things that they're telling us here, we've already seen these two guys go into the finals of the Super Juniors. He didn't have enough to beat uh, Will at that time. On this night, you know, there was a lot of shenanigans, things that kind of played a factor into the match, and he, he came up short again. It's telling me that there's a very good likelihood that these two guys will end up in some sort of finals again. I don't know that that's 100% the case, but it's not unreasonable to think that they might end up in a G1 final against one right. another. And maybe that's the time when Shingo finally wins it. Normally, had you asked me prior to this, do I think Shingo's going to win a G1? I would have said no. But coming off the heels of this tournament, I'm like, you know what? I could see it happening. And I didn't feel that way prior to this tournament at all. Would you rather see Shingo win a New Japan Cup or a G1? And I think I know the answer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to see Shingo in the Dome, main eventing for the IWGP heavyweight title. And, and now I feel like they promised it to us without actually saying it. And if they don't do it, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> you think a social contract's been established, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, yes, yeah, so this match was absolutely incredible, uh, but we got to talk about what happened post-match. Uh, oh, God. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so uh, after the match, you know, Will Ospreay grabs the mic. He, he's doing his post-match promo, calls the, the current double champ, Kota Ibushi, into the ring um, to challenge him for the Secure Genesis matchup. And he has he has a whole United Empire in the ring with him. He's cutting this promo, talking about, um, you know, how much he... Loves being number one and how you know he's striving for the title and how he he loves it more than anything and anyone, and then he he hits the the Oz cutter out of nowhere on his girlfriend B Priestley, uh, stunned silent crowd um, crowd not know what to make of it. Um, both English and Japanese commentators. Really don't know what how to, to to explain it either. Kind of caught off guard. Um, big kind of discussion online um, on Twitter, Reddit, Facebook, New Japan fans. Um, whether or not this angle should have happened, whether it kind of leans into domestic violence, um, whether it's right or wrong. Um, so a lot, a lot of big um, talking points here. Uh, we had a lot of questions on it as well. Uh, kind of kick us off um, from Rambo and Slam Piggy asks, what were you thinking about the show ending angle on Sunday, uh, especially giving, given speaking out recently? You know, and I, th- this is the one where you, we, you get the serious voice on and you say right off the hop, domestic violence of any kind, is not tolerated and should not be tolerated and just has no place. Now, to compare a wrestling angle to domestic violence, I really, I struggle with that a bit, knowing what we know about pro wrestling. Because, and you don't want to use the excuse of, well, it's wrestling, well, it's wrestling. If Will Ospreay was dragging B to the ring and publicly berating her and slapping her and doing these, you know, and that emotional and mental manipulation 
then yeah, I have I would have a problem with that. That's that's a domestic violence angle. What you saw of him hitting his finish out of nowhere, the Oscar out of nowhere onto onto B. That's something that is in the world of wrestling, and you know, you, it does make you uncomfortable. The good, the the one good thing I'll say out of it is everyone online and everyone that saw it all agree. Jesus, why the hell would he do that? Why the hell would he do that? You don't see anyone going, "Ah, oh, hell, he really got her there." <laughs> Because you don't that you don't want to that's not what you want to see at all. Right. That you you know, he's a bad guy. It's what the bad guy does, and I I can understand. I come at it with a different perspective, and it's something that's you know it's not not in my life. So, an apologies to if you if you if you're on that. If there's, you know, if that's a part of your life, find a way to get your help. Find a way to to get out of the situation by by hook, crook, or anything. Get get yourself out of that situation. But to look at it in a wrestling angle is, you know, it's the it's what the bad guy does. Now, that said, Jeremy, you you nailed it. The English commentary, the Japanese commentary. And the fans were all left wondering what <laughs> the hell is going on. Yeah. And I, you know, again, if you had a top heel in 2011, before we had English commentary, before we had translations real time, delivering a promo like that and then hitting uh, an Oz cutter on their valet and we're watching this real time, we would be left qu- trying to figure out what, what the hell, what the hell happened. And that might be an example of where Will just cut a, a, a big promo in English. And I know there are many English speakers in Japan, and I get to interact with them quite a bit. But there's a lot of people that are not going to understand that. And then to see him just hit his hit the Oz cutter and leave, that's a spot for, a, for Greater Khan to pick up the microphone and really nail down the fact in Japanese to say he did this to the woman he loved. What's he going to do to you in the ring so that people get an idea in house of what they're reacting to as opposed to seeing it being like, what, 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 what is that? Uh, Why, why did he just do that to be what, what, you know, and, and left more questions. And so that's, you know, and again, that's my roundabout thoughts on it. And is it right? Is it wrong? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not the one to say. But uh, again, comparing uh, comparing situations of domestic violence to an Oz cutter in a wrestling ring in a, in where you know parties kind of agree to it, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, there's there might be a little okay, pump the brakes on it. You know, as I said, if if there's a wrestler coming to a ring and he's and they think it's it's heat for him to abuse his valet. There's no place for that in the business. That's and that's and there's a term called cheap heat on that, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's not good. We it's it's just not done. 
But that's, you know, that's my roundabout thoughts on it. There's a lot of high emotions, high feelings when it comes to this particular angle. Uh, to Will Ospreay in general and the entire booking. And, you know, I'm, I'm not here to say anybody is right or wrong because, you know, if you feel strongly a particular way, I'm sure you have, feel you know, reasons that are justified for it. Um, me being an analytical individual, I've kind of looked at every angle here, and I'm sure, you know, a lot of the, with my dealings of New Japan fans in general, most most of the fans seem to be like pretty intelligent, pretty like you know well aware of what pro wrestling is, and you know pretty educated on on you know kayfabe that sort of thing. So this this one's been kind of interesting because kind of like what Mavs alluded to, there's been a lot of like allusions to the idea that there was that this is an angle that involved domestic violence. And I guess you could hypothetically, there's a way you could spin it to being that way because it was an unprovoked attack from a male partner against his female partner. So you could put it within that framework. At the same time, this isn't, and this doesn't justify it, but it's not any different from many other, you know, um, single move attacks that we've seen say in the WWE over the years, you know, uh, Randy Orton RKOing Beth Phoenix or, you know, Triple H, you know, doing a pedigree on like uh, Stephanie, Stephanie, stuff like that. Um, and again, that doesn't justify it. But there are times where, you know, male and female uh, performers will become physical with one another because it's an entertainment show. It is a wrestling angle and I don't believe personally that when they did this, it was uh, supposed to be like the way that uh, Maz is kind of explaining it, a domestic violence or a domestic, you know, manipulation sort of situation. It wasn't Rena Mero Sable and Mark Mero and him berating her and mm. manipulating her. It wasn't that sort of situation. It was more like for better or for worse, the idea here was, I am a madman and I love this title more than this person who I've devoted all these five years of my life to bam cutter, you know, now I think that this was, uh, not performed well, even, and you know, I hadn't even, uh, until we talked to Mavs before the show started, I hadn't even thought of the language barrier aspect of it. He cut the whole, you know, gimmick in fucking English Nobody translated it, and for the live Japanese audience, they didn't know how to respond to it. We we kind of know at this point that like most of the times when like a, a, an English speaker gives a babyface promo, I'm gonna fight for you guys, New Japan, yeah, people clap, you know, out of respect. But that doesn't mean they know exactly what they're saying. They kind of just get the gist of it. But this is a little different. Like he decided to, you know, go a different route and uh, Oz cutter his girlfriend, <laughs> right, <laughs> and. Nobody knew how to react to it. And I think this was a situation where New Japan, if they were going to do this, they should have clued in more of the members of staff because from the reports we're hearing, most of the performers and stuff weren't expecting this. This is highly irregular for a Perezu company, um, you know, this type of angle. And they should have clued in the uh, the color commentators and the, the the people calling the action because I understand sometimes you want to get an authentic reaction out of them, but if it's going to be this bizarre and this, you know, kind of 
aloof done. I don't know that you don't want them to know ahead of time to put it over and what the story is because they, I listen to both the English and the Japanese commentary and they seem to not know at all what was going on. Yeah, so there, there were reports that, yeah, Milano Collection AT, Japanese commentary team, they had no idea about the angle. Uh, Kevin Kelly, Gino, Chris, they had no idea about the angle. Uh, and so they're, they're just kind of stuck trying to, you know, ex- try to the, their best to try to explain what's happened. But, Ibushi you know, looked like he didn't know what was going on. Right. <laughs> From what I heard, it was just the United uh, Empire members in the office that, that knew about the angle. There's a report several veteran wrestlers were upset about the angle and not, not being clued in. Um, you know, my whole thoughts on the situation, I definitely understand people who are upset about it. I understand, like you mentioned, Josh, how people could see it in that domestic violence light, uh, especially coming out, uh, speaking out last summer and just how that had effect on the Brett rest scene and just some of the, the horrible stories that we heard coming out of that scene, uh, this past year. And not to mention the kind of controversy that Will and B kind of have uh, with the Pollyanna situation, the Sadie Gibbs situation, uh, and just the fact that people just don't like Will Ospreay in general. Um, <laughs> and, and so I I, see, I know there's a, a lot of different factors that are, are, are fueling that outrage. Uh, initially, my initial thoughts when I saw what happened was this is a pro wrestler hitting a safely executed move to another pro wrestler who agreed to this angle. Right. Um, you know, we, we've seen these guys have a match last summer. There, There is a, a clamoring for intergender wrestling um, within the wrestling community. There, there are people that want to see more men versus women action. Um now, like, like you said, Mads, like I'm not the one to say whether this was right or wrong, but just kind of from that, from a, just a standpoint of like, all right, these are two wrestlers in a relationship. They they agreed to this. He had a safe move. I, I don't, I don't really. To me, I don't see it as a domestic violence thing, but I understand how people can see it because they are in a real relationship, and it was an unprovoked attack. Um, I, I'm sure what's going on too is. From, from what the reports look like, based on the dates, based on the opportunities that are, be given, that are being given, they're increasing the workload that and the presence that B. Priestley is going to have in stardom. That's kind of what it seems like. And so there was a lot of conflicts that were going on between, uh, you know, her time working in New Japan. Unfortunately, I had a joke ready to go. I was going to make a joke before this angle happened about how she's the only, like, female that shows up in full gear even mm. though she's not wrestling. <laughs> Little did I know she's going to get hit with a wrestling move. Right. <laughs> so, like, I kind of had that prepped and ready to go for the show, but then, you know, she took an Oz cutter and then the world, like, blew up. Um, but, you know, I'm sure that f- from the framework and the mindset of a pro wrestler, and I'm saying this as someone who works with pro wrestlers, here's probably what the deal was. I can't keep working New Japan. So they think to themselves, okay, well, then what do we do next? Well, we got to write you out because, well, if we're going to write you out, we got to get heat on Will because that's the whole point of you being here. What's the best way? Oh, my God, I can Oz cut you. And she's like, yeah, that would be great. You Oz cut me explains why I'm gone. Now the heat's on you. And this is good for both of us, you know. Mm -hmm. And then. Oh, go ahead. And 
sorry. No, continue. Sorry, Jerry. Sorry, Josh. I, I'm just thinking that that's maybe hypothetically what a conversation like that might have gone through the minds of two pro wrestlers who are thinking of the business, and they're like, well, if, if I'm leaving, we got to get heat on it because that's how wrestlers think. And you know what? And they probably they probably approached B with the idea, and Will probably said, what if I give you an Oz cutter? And B thought, take a bump during a New Japan match, during a, in a New Japan ring, in a New Japan angle. Yes, I'm in. Yes. <laughs> uh, like, and again, I, we, we were joking about it before. Like, if I was dating a girl that was a wrestler, I mean, the, the, the two of us, I mean, I'm not trained. I'm nowhere near trained. I know how to fall. That's about it. Um, <laughs> We, I, I'd be saying, all right, we're doing, we're doing moves uh, after the second date. I'm saying, all right, we're calling spots. So, <laughs> <laughs> bump feed, bump. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, you're gonna light my chest up now. Anyways, that's a that's a whole different story. But I, you know what? And I'm actually very interested in what happens with B and Stardom now, um, coming off the heels of this. If they if they play into it or if it just is on the other promotion so it kind of stays away i've and and guys I'll, I'll say again i have really been enjoying what stardom has been doing as well that's been uh, a promotion i've been keeping my eye on uh very closely so i think it's uh you know the tam nakano uh julia main event from budokan was really fun to watch so if if you're if you're on that fence of stardom, make sure you uh, you, you cheer on the women as well because it's it's been it's been a lot of it's great wrestling too, man. This, so, this, yeah, no, and, it's, and it's not just Maki Ito and the Joshi scene either. <laughs> this is a tough uh, line to kind of cross, though, because, you know, and I haven't seen too much of this, but it feels like there's an underlying feeling of people saying, like, like how could he? He hit her with a move. But it's like, but she's a trained wrestler. You know what I mean? And if it's the portrayal that you have problems with, I do understand that. But if it's the if your problem is that a female wrestler took a move from a male wrestler and you don't like the optics of it, I, I don't know what to tell you because that's what pro wrestling is. You know, it, it is a work and you kind of have to understand that going into it because like, like Matt said, they're probably hitting each other with moves all the time. And this was something that was done extremely, extremely safely and it's sort of like we kind of have to decide like are wrestlers supposed to be treated equally and can they you know do moves to one another or is it something where you know it needs to be gender specific and fall into those roles and that sort of thing like how you know how, how do you want to define that and that's that's a whole different discussion altogether right um, it looked like Omega broke that 11-year-old's back. <laughs> my, my, my biggest uh, – one of the things I do think that's concerning though is, you know, this is the second time in recent months that New Japan as a company has done something involving uh, a talent that was – you know, I don't want to say they're the same thing, but, you know, they were involving Marty Skrull with Strong. There was a huge outcry for that. And then, you know, recently this thing with B and Will and – uh, you. This is something you said off off the air to me, Jeremy. Was that had this been any other couple, there probably wouldn't be this outcry. But because of the heat that's on them, because of what happened with Sadie Gibbs and what happened with Pollyanna, it, it just kind of amplifies the fire behind it. And I don't know how wise the office would have been or the Booker, whoever it was, that okayed this given the light of all that stuff. And is there anyone in the office that's telling these people like, Hey, 
the fans in the West are not going to be cool with this because of X, Y, and Z, you know, and this is the second time something like this has happened in recent times. So I, I don't know how, from my perspective, I'm fine with the angle. I'm just not fine with uh, the insensitivity and I'm not fine with the actual, uh, I don't think it was done effectively. Had it been done effectively, I would have been fine with it. And I guess the last thing I'll say is I do think that though, there is a chance post-mortem with how heated this thing has become that they might still actually be able to salvage it long-term, even though it didn't come off well to the live audience, people are pissed. Mm-hmm. And that and the whole idea was to get heat. And I know that there's some people saying it might be the wrong heat, but ultimately it does feel like people might literally be against Will now based off of it. And so going into this match with Kota Ibushi, who knows that it doesn't have the intended effect long term anyways right yeah and we had some questions here as let's uh kind of run through these i think we might have covered some of the the answers here i think we've covered a lot of it we don't have to discuss it all but if there's something that you know we can touch on sure yeah dom homie's questioning asking thoughts on people comparing to closing angle of new japan cup finals domestic violence kind of just talked about that um he said he well i want to um throw out what they're saying too yeah go go for it to be honest, I feel like people are just overreacting and it's kind of an insult compared to domestic violence. I had to put an end to uh, a domestic and violence situation involving my cousin and that shit was not comparable to a wrestling angle. Sorry for rant, but I had to get some shit off my chest or off my chest. <laughs> you know, and, that, and that's that that really is a, a great point is if if it is if domestic violence is a real, real thing in your life and hearing and you see you know, people complaining that that is an example of domestic, like a pro wrestling angle, as we've talked about, is domestic violence. You're gonna, you're gonna say, ah, you pump the brakes, man. Domestic violence is real, and pro wrestling's a work. Right. Mister Bang Pop said here, if Osprey didn't have so much justified controversy around him, would he be the clear leader for Wrestler of the Year right now? And I think possibly. Um, I find the beat angle really distasteful for reasons Karen Sensei and others have talked about at length, but I blame the office as much as I'd blame Osprey for potentially pitching it. On the other hand, his match quality is the best in the promotion has right now, and his uh, faction produces more interesting undercard matches with young lines than anyone else around uh, except Suzuki Goon, it seems like. A lot of the Hantai Okada Bullet Club Multiman tags are unwatchable for me, but I haven't missed a single United Empire one, and they really seem to be holding interest in the promotion for me almost by themselves sometimes. I'm also impressed with how Will's used every single match he's had to either build his stiff physical style while making his opponents look strong like Kojima or Finley, or to tie the knot on stories with longtime rivals in clear match of the year contenders with Shingo ZSJ. The ZSJ match was truly a masterpiece. I'm disappointed a bit because I wish Ibushi's character arc was more interesting, but I feel the title unification thing has hampered him. Thoughts? Well, thanks for the, for the question there, Mr. Uh, Bang Pop. Um, you know, Will Ospreay could be a guy that, that is considered a Wrestler of the Year candidate, you know, based off Wrestle Kingdom with Okada, the Zack match, the Shingo match, and um, the Kojima, Kojima match. match. Um, he's been having an incredible year, but I, I think, you know, the guy he faced in the finals, Shingo Takagi, it's another guy you can throw up there with the Cobb match from uh, Wrestle Kingdom, the Tanahashi match, 
And then hit, uh, Shingo's matches throughout this New Japan Cup with Okada and Goto and Kenta and just how consistently great he's been. I, I don't think it's a clear lock for Will right now. I, I think you got got Shingo, uh, you can, guys like Tanahashi. There are still some guys, Ibushi, that, are, that, are, that can make some cases for being wrestler of the year. For, for some of the complaints about the booking of this tournament, there's no denying that they gave, they went with a 1A, 1B situation and gave us the top two guys in the company in right. the finals, which is pretty awesome. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. And then as far as uh, Abushi's character and, and the, the title unification, uh, yeah, it, it's it's been really interesting what they've been doing there. It, it kind of feels like... He needs a foil, man. Yeah. He doesn't have a good foil. That's the problem. Like, they haven't... The one foil he pretty much had was, uh, like, Naito, and that whole story was hampered by the IC situation and blah, blah, blah. Like, he hasn't just had the true, proper... You know, um, rival to kind of define his title reign, right? I mean, they give him Sonata and, and Despy, and I'm not shitting on them, but I mean, it, it was Sonata and Despy, right? I feel like he, he needs that one guy to kind of push him to uh, to the next level. Like people kind of talk about like Omega was that for Okada, the guy that really pushed him right to the next level, and so or I, like Tanahashi and Okada, right? So we'll see. Uh, we had a question. You always need a good dance partner, boys. You always need a good <laughs> dance partner to make it make it a success. Uh, we had a question from Reddit user Grunty Dodds. This prior to being overshadowed by the post-match angle, Will no-selling the pumping bomber was a talking point in Twitter. Did this bother you at all, or was it no big deal? Uh, we kind of touched on that. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me was, like, he got hit with it, but he was also doing the flip over at the same time. It reminded me of, like, when a, a great boxer will roll with the punches. You know, that's not just an idiom saying, like, it is a thing. You know, you take the impact off of the strike by going in the same direction as the strike to, you know, it still hurts, still take damage, but nowhere near the amount of damage. He was clearly getting hit with it, but rolling over him at the same time. So in kayfabe, that's the way I would explain that away. If anything, it shows the power of the pumping bomber. <laughs> knock, knock him head over, head over feet, man. Right, yeah. It kind of reminds me of like my amateur wrestling days, uh, similar kind of, you were mentioned with the boxing, Josh. Um, you know, there's a, we do like re-rolls off of throws. Like a guy is throwing, giving you a head and arm throw, and you, you drop your weight. Like you're still getting thrown, but you re-roll through and use that momentum to kind of end up on top and pinning them. So, yeah, I still got thrown, but I, I re-rolled, and now I'm on a, yeah, in, maybe. A, in a better position. Physics. <laughs> <laughs> Grunty Dodds asked us uh, – oh, my bad. Sorry. Uh, why did you do that, bro? Asked us, was the B Priestley angle as awkward as I thought, or was it just me? I feel like Osprey should have said a little more in the ring after that instead of just awkward silence, which I totally agree with that. Uh, he also said, number two, likelihood that Ibushi loses the World Heavyweight Championship on his very first defense. Yeah, I, I think the, the awkward silence uh, definitely felt that, and that played to Mav's point earlier. Like, they should have had Okan grab the mic, kind of explain things to the Japanese crowd to maybe, you know, get get you know explain to them and get their feelings on it. I think that would have helped out a lot. Get at least some bit of, of reaction, even though they're not allowed to yell. And again, 
you know, uh, the New Japan crowd domestically is 40% women. So you really are playing that out in front of um, a crowd that is going to be wondering uh, a lot why, well, has, has a vested interest even more than a North American crowd as to why that action just took place. So I think, yeah, it, that's, it really was something that just kind of, it, 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 seems it like felt a missed flat. opportunity. Yeah. It, 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 it fell flat. It just, it, it, well, it fell flat in the ring, but it, then it, it took on legs of its own on a very, uh, the, the wrong way they wanted to go. Right. Well, we'll see how they, uh, go with it long term. I mean, maybe this is something that's damaging. I, that remains to be seen. It could also be something that is salvageable and potentially, you know, uh, bettering for you know his character long term but right now it feels completely up in the air honestly but in in that moment it definitely sucked yeah and then for a second question uh you know personally i i don't think abushi is gonna lose the title i'm not saying it can't happen uh but i just feel like what they've been building with him and okada and those big stadium shows coming up i think we're getting abushi okada at one of those wrestle grand slam shows for the world heavyweight title it's a possibility, but I'm, you know, we talked the other week. What could this company possibly do going into Yokohama, going into um, the dome? And I'm excited to see what they give us because, you know, uh, the truth is the company is not the hottest they've ever been right now. And so they really need to kind of wow us with these cards. Maybe they do decide to do something really creative with the Bushi, but I've got a feeling that if you switch the title to Osprey, it opens up a plethora of opportunities and options that could draw super well in the in both of those environments where I'm not completely convinced you can do that with Ibushi. He's danced with most of these dance partners over the past couple years. Uh, I mean, you could try on short notice to build that, um, you know, that uh, Okada feud, but uh, beyond that, I'm not sure what else there is you could do in a dome other than bring in Kenny Omega. I don't know. Well, yeah, that's the old. There's always money in the chase, and when you have that uh, that guy that you want to see lose as your top draw, yeah, yeah, you are going to get. You are going to have people put down their money to see uh, to see Will get beaten. That's a good point. That's a very good point. The other thing too to think about with Will Osprey is like he's the leader of this new group. They're really trying to push the group. He, he had one really big match against Okada, and he lost on a big stage. This next match is going to be the next really big match on a big stage. And if he loses again, I'm not saying the, the, the group's done or anything like that. No hyperbole here, but it's a huge setback for him as the leader. And I don't know what that means for the future of the United Empire going forward. Right. And I guess there is time uh, between Secure Genesis and those dome shows if they want to do a quick tile change have Will run with it, and then Ibushi gets it back to do the Okada match. That, that could they potentially, could run it back, yeah. Yeah, they could potentially do that. Uh, next question here from uh, Reddit user Viking Payne. He says, guys, be ahead and tell me there's something big down the road of Shingo Takagi. I know Gato likes booking things far in advance, but I was really hoping he, he would win the New Japan Cup and be placed firmly in the main event scene. But now I get that sinking feeling that his phenomenal talent is going to be a going to be pushed down the card. Am I wrong? 
you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to feel exactly because I mean, Shingo is like a utility player. I mean, he's someone that can main event the card or he could be fine in any role that they possibly give him. If they did want to relegate him to like that upper mid card, you know, Suzuki Ishii sort of role. I, I don't know if what his, uh, ambitions are as a performer, but like, I'm not saying that that, that he wouldn't excel in that role. Uh, but if they want to try and draw money with him and headline shows down the road, you know, Tokyo Domes, things like that, I, I could totally see them going that way with them too. So I think the book's still kind of open when it comes to that sort of thing. But um, this inspired me to think that they've got bigger plans for him more so than it made me think that they don't personally. I think, again, it goes back to you could build – Shingo going after the title uh, at Sakura Genesis for two weeks. Right. Or you can build him going mm. after the title for four or five months in the dome. Mm. That's, that's a great point. That, yeah. is, that actually is a great point because this was actually something I said prior. Last week when we did our preview show, I said, if he wins this, he's not beating Ibushi. But in losing, I've got the feeling that maybe he could be like a title challenger down the road and actually win it. Yeah. And I didn't feel that way before. So, yeah, that's a great point, Mavs. Yeah, I think this tournament did an excellent job of elevating him to that next level. I I feel like if they were going to keep him in the mid card, they would have given him the Ishii treatment. He would have been out first or second round. They wouldn't have made a big deal uh, of the story around him. But... He was in the in the main events. There was a, a story of him having to to fight from underneath and rally, be this this fiery babyface fighting back, fighting through the injuries, fighting you know through the Dick Togos and and all this adversity uh, that was thrown against him, and, and to rise up and then to, to fall so short there um, at the end. And like you mentioned, Josh Gato loves booking tragedies that eventually uh, will you know the that that hero eventually does get. Um, you know that goal in the end after going through that that pain and heartbreak. What's what's the last time when I said that they were booking a major tragedy? It was Okada beating Naito in the dome, and I said they're gonna pay this off down the road. And boy, did they ever! Yeah, they're gonna pay this off. I I really feel like this is a setup for a comeback, big time. And and you know what? And just to go back uh, a couple questions ago with B Priestley. There could be a payoff in that as well. We don't, again, Gato could be, I, he is playing the 4D chess, as they like to say. Yeah. Because he, that, that he could be, there, there's going to be payoffs. Yeah. And she, she left the ring being escorted out by Kota Ibushi and some of the baby faces. There is some speculation that what if this is all a quote swerve. Quote swerve. Yeah. She ends up coming out with Ibushi down the road and turns on him, and it was all a big ruse, which I'm not a fan of that, to be honest with you. I think that's a little too Western for my taste, but it is something. I mean, we've, we've seen it several times in the Gato, past. Gato likes CCW. He likes CWA. He likes that, that, that Memphis shit. That, this is right <laughs> in his wheelhouse. I mean, yeah. I don't know. If it comes out of a box, it gets over. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> Boxo gimmicks. <laughs> you know what? I mean, Let's just let's just look at it. Osprey's, you know, ref bump down goes red shoes. 
and Osprey's in a spot where he's able to uh, take advantage, and B Priestley comes out and hits her finish on Will, and mm. all of a sudden, just and I mean, I mean, oh to the crowd, I mean, yeah, not through oh. I mean, she jumps over the barricade and fucks him up. <laughs> yeah, jumps over the barricade. <laughs> Elizabeth style at Mania Seven, and instead of the beatdown on Cherry, Will gets the beatdown on that Hits one. Hits him with the uh, the Queen Suplex. What, one, <laughs> thing, one thing I didn't touch on that I loved was that moment when Will hit that four fifty onto the table, table on the yeah. outside, and then he's like, "Throw me in, throw me in." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she had to throw him in. It was great. Yeah, that was awesome. Rambone underscore Slam Pig asked us, "What is next for Shingo? Is he destined for a Goto Ishii rolls an upper mid card gatekeeper and star maker, or is it?" Too soon to determine that. And I think we kind of answered that. Yeah, we've kind of we've touched on that. Final question. Dom Homie 101 said, is it time for New Japan to push Shingo into the main event scene after his performance in the New Japan Cup? And I think we all can answer with the resounding yes in the right time, though, I think is the caveat. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we're not we're not looking, you know, the main event scene. Not yet. Six months from now. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Well, Jeremy, I think we um wanted to talk about like very briefly the top five matches of the tournament you drew up a a preliminary list i kind of looked over them as we were going through the rundown i completely agree with you on this list here perfect yeah because we didn't talk about this (laughs) before we uh recorded uh yeah so top five matches uh that we have here uh coming number five shingo versus goto i mean just say these guys always have great matches together it's a hard-hitting affair um former you know goto's miss new japan cup Shingo getting a big win over him was great. Uh, coming in number four, we have uh, Finley versus Osprey. We, we talked about that match earlier in the show, uh, just how great that was, and Finley's selling. And uh, I think a lot of some people I've seen, I feel like, are under, underrating this match just because it is David Finley. I, I went personally, I went four and a half on it, and I thought it was a really great matchup. Uh, number three, we have Shingo versus Okada. This was the, the bracket buster for a lot of people. Uh, rematch from the G1 Climax last year. Uh, Shingo finding a way to, you know, escape the money clip and d- defeat Okada. Awesome main event. Uh, number two, I mean, one and two that were, were so close. It was so hard to, to you know, assign which one was going to be one or two. But number two, we went with uh, Will Ospreay versus Zack Sabre Jr. Again, Will and Zack do not miss. These guys always have incredible matches with each other. And this was um, more of the same here. And then number one, the finals of the tournament, Shingo versus Will Ospreay. I mean, similar to Will and Zach, Will and Shingo always, always have bangers as well. And we talked about the match. It was a phenomenal matchup. And uh, overall, it's a really great tournament. Yeah, I, I concur with your list. Uh, I, I'm a little disappointed that there's no ZSJ Gabe Kidd on here. Mm. But... Uh, <laughs> Other than that, I, uh, pr- I I pretty much think that this is a an astute list. What do you think, Mavs? Yeah, I think you know I, I'm not I'm not usually a guy to do the top fives, the top tens. Uh, the Zach Saber Junior. I'd like to see ZSJ on there um, as well. But yeah, no, yeah, you, you pretty much nailed it. You captured the spirit of the thing. <laughs> so I guess the big question here is the tournament MVP. It really comes down to Shingo and Will Ospreay, the two top two finalists. They're in the most matches. They were in the highest acclaim matches. And really, I guess we have to ask each and every one of us, like looking in your heart, looking into the deep abyss that is your fandom for New Japan, who was the MVP in this tournament? Was it Will Ospreay or was it Shingo Takagi? Because I don't know. Yeah. It- I'm, I'm going to throw 
David Finlay. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> really, the, when you look for your you you know what you're gonna get out of Shingo. You knew what you were gonna get out of Will. But the guy that really got the most out of the New Japan Cup was David Finlay. Mm. I think it elevated his stock so much. And I know, and maybe that's, maybe he's not the MVP, but maybe he's the top scorer on that if you were to look at it in a different way, because that is a guy who was able to, uh, he grabbed the grass, the, the brass ring, pal, but, uh, <laughs> You know, that's, you know, I, and, and I agree that the Shingo and Will in the finals, Shingo had the hell of a run, hell, hell of a road to get there. Will was, you know, victorious. So he wins the thing. But David Finley really is the guy. And especially, you know, had a great match at the end with uh, at, at the end of it with Osprey. And you thought in your heart of hearts, he might do this. He might do this even the whole way through. I, I you know what? I still think that Dave Finley versus uh, Yoshihashi is by far the most underrated match of the tournament. I thought that match was great. Most people thought it was three-star affair. They are fucking wrong. <laughs> but I, I believe Dave Finley came back to Japan after all this time off, after the you know quarantine and everything, and Gato looked at him and he said, Look at him. He's huge. He's huge. Vascular. He's a his hair is wet. He's grabbing the brass ring. Anytime we hear break out that old Vince McMahon WBF commentary, Jesus Christ. But um, for me, I'm at the point. After having the discussion, I think I'm safely going with Shingo personally. Uh, I think it's a close. It's a it's a toss up. It's a it's a one A one B like you mentioned. It is. I, I'm going Shingo to but Shingo's Brett and uh, Will is Sean, and that means that Shingo's better. Mm, yeah. As a Sean guy, Fuck Sean Michaels. Oh oh man, as <laughs> a Sean guy, I can't I can't, I can't ride with that. <laughs> oh man. Uh, Oh, man. So that that's going to be our MVP talk. Do we want to talk about the winner of our tournament yes. real quick before we move on? Yeah, so thank you, everybody, for entering in our bracket challenge. Thank you for uh, Chris Samsa for setting it up on sportpressing.com, making it super easy uh, to enter and to keep track of this year. You know, normally um, I'm getting brackets emailed to me, and I'm hand by hand counting up points and who's ahead and all this stuff. So shout out to Chris Samsa. But speaking of Chris Samsa, we got the most ballerous DM from Chris that I have ever received in the entire history of our show. He hits us up and he says, in light of the occurrences with the new Japan bracketology, I will be foregoing any first place prizes that I have won. Meaning that Chris Samson won every single award in every single bracketology because he was the most accurate predictor out of all the awards, but he also was the guy that set up all the awards. Right. So like he basically had to tell us like, boys, I won, but I'll be passing on my awards to others. 
wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He was the guy that set everything up, and he, if he has a perfect bracket, <laughs> I'm calling shenanigans on the gimmick immediately. He, he, oh, he missed oh. like three or four oh, matches. No, no, no. I'm he missed shenanigans he, on Chris Samson. We need an inquiry. Chris Samson missed two, and here's he, I, I call shenanigans because the, do you remember when um. Russo used to be on those WCW panels and be like, I think Goldberg's going to win this match. And he booked it and he, and then he would predict what he booked. <laughs> That's yeah. basically what Chris Samson has done here. Um, and then he was like, Oh, you know what? I need to throw two losses out there just to kind of throw them off the set. <laughs> just, to make, just to make it look like, Oh, I didn't get a perfect. Like I mean, come on. But this I didn't fix the back end of this thing up. This man literally hit us up, and he's like, I'm not going to take any of the awards. I'll just take the glory. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, but you know what? That said, Chris Samps, a good job on you for putting out everything together and making this uh, accessible for not just uh, not just this podcast, not just keeping it strong, style, but all the podcasts that all really utilize it, man. Yeah, it was, a go-to. it was great. But uh, so, so before you announce the winner, I just want to say I was number eight. In our own list, this is the best I have ever done. I I don't ever do good in the New Japan Cup. I usually do okay in the other awards, and I usually get the winners pretty close or accurate. But like, I never win the New Japan Cup. I got both pe- both participants in the final. I went what was it, uh, twenty two and eight, something, something like that. Yeah. Twenty three and eight. Man, that's fucking good. I got. <laughs> I had Will Osprey beating Shingo in the finals. I I feel fucking proud right now. Yeah, my my bracket was was not so great. I yeah, was, it was I, not as good as mine. I was not in the top I ten this you. year. <laughs> <laughs> but we have a winner. Yes, we do. So or actually, we got three winners, right? Yeah. So the the winner of the contest is his his username was M M A I P O M. Uh, shoot name is Scott. He hit me up later or earlier today. So Scott, he is he's taking the the first place prize, the fifty dollar wrestling tees gift card, uh, and in the default second place will be uh, the username Covio, and uh, default third place Kyle Johnson. So I'll be uh, hitting you guys up to uh, get your information to get your prizes out to you this week. Uh, thank you guys so much for entering the contest and be on the lookout for more contests in the future. But what about Josh? What about the young boy? Uh, Josh, you get to... Con- I get to pay and contribute to half of the cost of these prizes. You, you get to continue hosting this show. Um. So uh, real quick, we got to talk about Sakura Genesis. The the card was announced. There was a press conference the following day after the finals of the New Japan Cup, and they they announced the the card here. So the, the big main event is going to be for the double. Or it's actually, it's going to be for it's the for the world title, the world IWGP World Heavyweight Title, Kota Ibushi versus Will Ospreay going to have the IWGP Junior Tag Titles on the line. El Esperado and Yoshinobu Kanemaru defending against Rapungi 3K, showing Yo. We will have uh, Tanahashi and Kojima against JY and Bad Luck Fale. We'll have LIJ, Naito, Sonata, and Shingo taking on uh, the United Empire, the great Okan, Jeff Cobb, and a mystery partner. Uh, we had a lot of questions on this one. A uh, question from the amazing MC. Who do you think the new member of the United Empire will be? Question from Muzza. Who do you guys think is the fourth member of the United Empire? His top two picks are Chris Jericho or Brody King. 
but also see the possibilities of Tohanari, Carl Frederick Shoto Umino, and Renrita. And Rambo saying, Plague asks, is Tohanari the mystery member of United Empire? If not, what the hell does he need to do to get involved in the program? Um, and then BJ Baker, if the Empire's new member is Hanari, do you think it'll be the new coat of paint he needs? Personally, I think the Empire needs a junior. So who are you guys, who are you guys thinking is going to be the mystery man here? Well, Toa Hanari, he got on the plane and went back to New Zealand, right? Inoki. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, hey, you know what? And and this is like, okay, so you never would have expected Great Okan to come back and side with Will when that happened. And then when they announced another mystery member, oh, to the blue was Jeff Cobb. So the, the two times before... And then B, well, B showing up, you kind of had an expectation of that, but it really was kind of strange to see a Stardom New Japan crossover kind of develop. Right. Expect the unexpected with whoever fills in that slot X. There are so many options of people it could be. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think outside the box. I'm thinking like Chris Hero, you know? Mm. I'm thinking like Michael Oku. I'm thinking like ACH or Leo Rush. You know what I mean? It could be Robbie Eagles. I mean, who knows? Or it could be what's our boy from uh, from Perth, the guy from Australia? Oh, Slex the business? Not him. The 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 less good wrestler who's been in New Japan. He used to be part. Oh, of- Mikey Nichols. Mikey, Mad Mikey Nichols, <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah, it could be him. I don't know who it is. It's probably honestly, it's probably Hanare. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say the smart money is on Tor Hanare just due with the, the, the frustrations we've seen with him having and the the you know the, the timely picture of him you know flying back to New Zealand uh, when this announcement was made. Um, so I th- I think that's the smart money, but I mean it could be a numerous amount of people like you mentioned. I mean Shota Umino uh, is a guy that's been on excursion and hasn't been able to do much due to COVID. Could they bring him back and be a part of the Empire? It's a possibility. Personally, I would like to see Umino kind of be a babyface and maybe kind of take up that top, you know, domestic uh, talent role. Uh, but, I mean, they, they could they could go with that. I mean, there's yeah, there's so many guys. There's, there's people from Strong that they could bring in. They um, could go the problematic route and be like, it could be TJP. Just lean into the shit, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or or uh, Austin Aries, you know, just really <laughs> lean into it. Yeah, there's so many people it could be. Um, if it if it is Hanare, I do think it could be the new coat of paint he does need. Like we mentioned before, he's just kind of been treading water, just kind of stuck at where he, where he's at. I think a heel turn would be a very fresh thing for him, and being teamed up with Ocon and Cobb and Osprey, I think could help elevate his stock and just be. There's some, that new start he needs to kind of get him to the next level. Yeah, and it, it, it makes him, it, it, it may, as you say, new coat of, uh, of paint makes him a bruiser and give him a give him that mean mean streak that he needs right now. That would be the thing. But again, as a, I'll, I'll stand by it, ex, expect the unexpected with the with the empire because who you know I. It, if you expected Jeff Cobb to be there the first time, uh, you know, I don't think anyone saw that coming. Right. Maybe one of these L.A. Dojo boys, possibly. Right. You got Alex Coughlin. You got Clark Connors. Uh, Carl Fredericks, who's, uh, you know, been graduated and has, has his, you know, alpha wolf gimmick. Uh, yeah, they could go over those guys. Gabriel Kidd. I mean, we've seen him kind of heating things up with Zack Sabre. Uh, maybe that there's room for him in the Empire. We'll see. I hope it's Muto. 
Yeah. Um, uh, the, the rest of this card We have Okada Okada Yano Goto Ishii Yoshihashi Taking on Evil Kenta Yujiro Taiji And Dick Togo And the card will open up With Taichi Zack Sabre Jr. And Doki Against G.O.D. And Jado uh, We had a question From Rambone Slam Pig Are you let down With a lack of single matches On Secure Justice card Is this a result Of saving big matches For stadium shows Later this spring Yes And yes uh, I'm all right with you know again you're you've got your standard tag affair with New Japan and and when you do have to build to Yokohama Stadium and Tokyo Dome again I guess you do you do save them for those big draws I'll give them the pass for the for the reasons that you laid out um, but the other reason I'll give them a pass is because we're getting a week off of New Japan Pro Wrestling which doesn't always sound like a good thing but with the overload of shows that we had during the New Japan Cup, I am welcoming this week. I, I've got some shit to do. <laughs> I got things I need to do to further my own life. <laughs> so I'm fine with it. It's okay. And plus, the, the main event's going to be a banger. So even though some people probably don't like it. Yeah, I mean, of course, what I what I have loved to see more singles matches on this card, definitely. But like Maz mentioned, you know, we got two, we got the stadium show. We got the dome. There's also wrestling Dontaku before the stadium shows in the dome. There, there's a lot of big shows coming up that you gotta save matches for, um, and so unfortunately that means a, a show like Secure Genesis in the past, which might have had some more single matches, is only going to have you know the one big single match and then you know the junior tag title match, and so. And we can see in this card they are, they are building the stuff. You know, Tanahashi and Jay White are faced off. They're building that never title match. We'll probably see that. On one of these shows down the line they, They're still building the, the Never Six Man With a Bullet Club and Chaos um, We're seeing the Empire and LIJ Mix it up, something uh, could come out of that Kojima and Fale I mean, they're paired <laughs> against <laughs> uh, So there's, there's a lot of stuff that, That's going to come, come off of Secure Genesis That's going to build to some of these bigger shows um, So real quick We got to talk about uh, New Japan Strong Did you watch the show? Yes, I did watch oh, it Oh, wow Wow, on, on my recommendation. I mean, I, I was planning on watching. I, I, I had time. I had time to watch it. Um, it was a good show, actually. Yeah, we we had uh, Jeff Cobb defeating Alex Coughlin in the opener. Then we had two New Japan Cup USA qualifying matches. We had our man Ren Narita locking in that uh, Narita special, defeating Mysterioso Junior to get a tap out win there. And then in the main event, in a hoss match, never style brawl here. Brody King hitting a uh, nasty-looking uh, Gonzo bomb on Bateman to get the win here and advance on to the tournament. Yeah, the company. I, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry. I was gonna say the company is all in on Brody King, but I'm all in on Bateman. This man can fucking cut promos like he is incredible on the mic and uh, his character work. Like I know he doesn't fit the traditional mold of like New Japan, but I'm just. I've seen Tyler Bateman for years and I've never felt this way about him the way I have on New Japan Strong. Like, uh, he doesn't come across this way to me on ROH as he does on New Japan Strong. Like, he's really taken a, you know, a chance on, in the, on the opportunity to sort of branch out and make something of himself here. And he's just incredible. And, uh, I, I really enjoyed this whole episode, all these singles matches, but this match in particular. And, um, yeah, they got to do something with Bateman going forward, you know, after this tournament's over. When I saw the post match with Ren Narita, it was a few weeks back, and oh yeah, I came in, 
and lay after his first win, laid in, said, you'd call that a chop, and <laughs> laid a chop into him. It just made me sit up and say, they're going to make Ren Narita the next The Wrestler. Yes. Mm, yeah. And I am here for it. I want to see that happen. This just, again, black tights, black boots, just a badass. There is a recommend, uh, match recommendation I'm going to throw out to you right now. It's something that we have espoused, me and Jeremy, for years on this show. Red Narita against Yagi. Yes, the Young the, Lions Cup. From the Young Lions Cup in what was that, 2017? 2017. 20, at the end of the year, 2017. One of the greatest, I mean, we're talking one of the greatest unheralded matches that has ever happened I wouldn't put my reputation on it <laughs> if it wasn't as great as it is. Narita and Yagi, 15 minutes, goes to a draw. It is one. Of, it is the best Young Lions match I have ever seen to date. Incredible. And from that moment, I was like, Narita is Shibata reincarnated. This man is the fucking man. Yeah, Narita is awesome. I'm, I'm loving his excursion. I'm glad he's getting all these uh, big wins over these uh, New Japan strong guys, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to do in the New Japan Cup USA. And, you know, strong has, has been really great these last couple of weeks, and it's because it has, has a purpose right now. We're, we're building yes. this, this New Japan Cup USA. The guys are fighting for stakes. There's a prize at the end. We're getting some promos. We're getting some angles. It's everything we said they need to do with New Japan strong. Uh, they've really been doing here these last couple of weeks. And they've had the right guys, but not only that, it doesn't feel the way it did last year. Last year, the U.S. title and the situation with Mox and AEW was so in flux. We were like, well, what's going to happen when the winner wins this thing? Are they even going to get a title shot? You know, and we're a year separated from that. And it's like, well, they probably will. So, you know, it's going to be very exciting once the New Japan Cup actually, quote unquote, officially starts. So this is the last last round before we get to that you know to that phase and i i'm very excited for it yeah. and I get a lot of credit to the crew in california for really uh creating a great great product with new japan strong um it's one of the you know there's a lot of there's a lot of good things that came out of uh the pandemic and for new japan which uh, made the lemonade out of the lemons of these guys being stuck in the states. They were able to create a weekly weekly program out of the dojo and out of California that is is really 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 good and captures the essence of New Japan quite well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so coming up next week we have uh, David Finley. Excuse me, this week uh, David Finley and Carl Fredericks versus Tom Lawler and Danny Limelight. Then we'll have two uh, more qualifying matches. I believe these are the last two qualifying matches. We'll have Blake Christian uh, versus Chris Dickinson, and then we'll have Clark Connors versus TJP. That'll be an interesting main event there. Uh, Connors and TJP team up together uh, in the Super Junior Tag League, and we've seen them team up here on Strong. So kind of got the former partners there. Clark Connors, who they've said is uh, you know graduated from the LA Dojo, and so it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of pull an upset win here over TJP, or is it just going to be kind of the normal young line loses and TJP advances on? So that'll be interesting to see. I think it all depends on whether or not TJP is the secret member of the United Empire. Mm. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess we'll see there. Um, and then 
only other news item that we have. Oh, we, well, we know what's going to happen with Blake Christian. Right, because, yeah, Mr. Uh, Mr. PC. Mr. NXT. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck him up, Dickinson. Fuck him up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only other uh, news item that I have for us that we didn't already cover throughout the show, Monday Free Match, because we should go Cotter versus Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, from the New Japan Cup uh, 2018. No, it's from... Uh, it's not from the not Cup. In, yeah, it's from... Um, it's from Sakura Genesis. Yeah, the title match that Zach got from winning the Cup. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now we just have some other questions here before we get to recommended match of the week. Uh, first from EMJ does PR. He has, he has two very important questions from Mavs. Uh, his first question is KOD or GOD? So, do you... Uh, now, KOD... Did anyone smarten you up as to what KOD is? No, nobody's smarting us up. Okay, so <laughs> KOD is a pizza place up in up here called King of Donair. Okay. Now, the Donair is like a shawarma. It's got your onion, the special meat with uh, tomato and a real sauce and a pita. And people go absolutely apeshit for them around here. Uh, King of Donair is a, a staple on the East Coast. And Donair sauce on pizza is a very, very um, – it's kind of the cultural dish for us up here in, in Nova Scotia. Along with uh, just – yeah, Donair sauce goes on everything. So that's King of Donair, KOD over GOD. Um G.O.D., you know, no one's realer than Gorilla. <laughs> maybe, but maybe, maybe I, you know what? I'm not a, I'm not a Donair guy. I'm a poutine guy. So, Ooh, but because hot takes, because, you know, because I played, uh, I played, I played some football with uh, uh, one of the now current owners. He was a son, now current owner, Nick Nahas. I'll say K.O.D. I'll take K.O.D. over. Oh, uh, <laughs> Donair over, over Gorilla's a destiny. Get ready till t- the Twitterverse gets a hold of this shit. Well, you know what? And and this is I, I, the one thing I will say is they do have to do a change. There was uh, Alberto Del Rio, Alberto Patron was in town with Paige, and uh, he was working in Indy here, and they went to KOD, and so they've got his photo up on the wall at KOD, and I'm gonna have to say, hey guys, you might want to take that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they didn't need to get rid of that. <laughs> that one, that one, that one's kind of got to go. It's him and Paige enjoying a donair, and it's like ah. Uh, there's a, a lot of water under that bridge right now. Boy, <laughs> you want to change that. Next question uh, for you from MJ Does PR. He said, the Tokyo Dome or the Liquor Dome? Question. So, so again, another Halifax. <laughs> yeah, so, so smart, smart us up to what the, li- the Liquor Dome is. I, I take the Liquor Dome, and I love the Tokyo oh. Dome. I don't even know what the Liquor Dome is, but it's the <laughs> Liquor Dome. So I'm well, going with the Liquor Dome. <laughs> so. The Liquor Dome is a massive bar complex in Halifax. And I'm going to tell you something, guys. Halifax is a a party town. It Mm. is an underrated gem of a party town. And the Liquor Dome is five to six bars in one complex. It is a wonderful night out. There was many nights when I was doing – Halifax Rainman or Halifax Hurricanes basketball. I became very good friends with the head of the cheerleading slash dance team. And as the designated driver on the club soda limes, because I'm allergic to alcohol, I, we were always out there until four in the morning. And there was lots and lots of uh, partying that went on at the liquor dome. And it was, and then at the end of the night, we would head towards this place called pizza corner, 
where King of Donaire is. Um, <laughs> but I would get poutine and we'd all get in the van and I'd drive everyone home. That is the best way I could describe the liquor dome. There is more bars per capita in Halifax than anywhere else in the world. That sounds and incredible. We say, and we say <laughs> dome is home. Dome is home. But the the, the liquor dome uh, pales in comparison to how much I want to be in front of the Tokyo Dome. And yes. yeah, it's really – I have I've not touched the Tokyo Dome yet. And it's kind of like a Stanley Cup thing where you don't <laughs> you don't touch it unless you want to. I've had my photos taken on it. The last night I was in Japan, I was coming back off the subway and I was walking towards the Tokyo Dome Hotel, and it was just me in the dome. It's it was the I had it in the background of my photo for a while, and I was looking in the doors, just looking in, just imagining and dreaming and thinking what it will will be like to to go in there. So that is, that is what's been driving my, uh, neuro, my, my psychosis and my ambition through all this COVID of just thinking it's, it's still that light at the end of the tunnel tunnel of getting back to Tokyo dome. So I love the liquor dome, <laughs> but Tokyo dome, Tokyo dome beats it. And guys, if you ever come up here to Halifax, Tokyo, uh, the liquor dome, is uh, we're ready for you. Well, I we're wanna, ready for you. I want to do both, but you've sold me. I'd rather have a strong zero in front of the Tokyo Dome than be at the Liquor Dome. So it's it's settled. Yeah, I definitely want to do both. Uh, I'd love to uh, have a visit in Canada. Uh, so um, I don't say why, 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 why do we have to do either or. Let's let's do both. Let's Jeremy, you got to be there because I go too hard. I'm going to need you to be there <laughs> at the Liquor Dome to rein me in. Well, Mavs is going to be oh. going to be the DD. <laughs> Again, I'm on Team Club Soda Lime. I'm missing the end of the We are getting everyone into the back of the – well, what, I'm, I'm probably one of the only guys in the world that looked and said, all right, I got to I gotta grow up. I got to lose the minivan because we had nights where we piled 14 to 15 people God. in the back of this thing. Uh, to get everyone home at the end of the night from the dome or the toothy moose or the palace, like no, not the palace, palace, but just downtown Halifax. And there would be talk again. It sounds it's like Ebor. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the crazy thing, of course, like the middle of a blizzard, and I'll turn a corner, and out of the blue, I'll see my my roommate Will was standing on the on the corner just just begging and looking for a cab. So I get to roll down the window and fire open the side door and he hops in and we get him out of a blizzard at four in the morning. That, that is, that's wow. some of the true Halifax stories of what goes on. So boys go as hard as you want. We're all getting home at 5 a.m. <laughs> that, that, that's awesome. Uh, next question here uh, from good friend of the show, uh, Zach Porter. Congratulations just, on your marriage, Zach. Yeah, shout out to Zach. Just getting married a couple of weekends ago. Um, he, had, he has some non-New Japan questions for you, Mavs. He says, uh, which four does Mavs have making it to the playoffs and which teams is coming out of the uh, Scotia North Division this season? After seeing your tweet about Bill being the one to instigate a line brawl, who would you liken to him in the NHL? Manager comes to mind for me. Okay, so yeah, with with the the Scotia North right now, I mean, you've got Toronto and Edmonton really the crop there, uh, and you know Winnipeg's made their moves. Uh, I got to cover Nikolai Ehlers in junior, so I, I think you're going to see Winnipeg there. 
and then maybe Montreal snicks they, they they get in there uh, and ride Carey Price. We'll see what happens. I mean, Montreal is just a team in flux. They need to get rid of Mark Bergevin as their their general manager. It's just that simple. But they've got a great head coach in Don Bouchard right now, a guy that we covered for a while that um, he gets the most out of his players. So. We could see what happens. I, I think you're going to see Toronto, Winnipeg, uh, Toronto, Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Montreal get out of get to the playoffs. And you know, Toronto in the playoffs, guys. They, uh, I don't know how much y'all follow hockey. Toronto in the being a Toronto fan in the Stanley Cup playoffs is like being a masochist because you're just inviting pain mm. at that point. It's like so, it's like hoping Ishii wins the IWGP title. Exactly. Exactly. You just nailed it right on the head, <laughs> and it, it, it. No matter how much it looks like it's gonna happen, they always will find a way to blow it. Oh my God, the Maple Leafs. Um, so I think you might. I, I think you might see Edmonton. Edmonton sneak out of there. And but I will say, as in a hockey, in in, in a hockey sense. The Senators are not a good team right now. They're going to be fire in three years if they keep everyone around in, the, in that organization. They're going to be absolute fire in Ottawa. Um, when I put out the tweet that um, Will Ospreay would be the, the one to most likely instigate a line brawl, that I stand by that. And the comparison to him and Brad Marchand, that's a tough one for me because Brad, who was referred to um, – just to give you guys a little insight into it, when the Bruins won the Stanley Cup and they went to the White House, President Obama referred to Brad Marchand as the little ball of hate. So he has been referred to uh, by a president as that nickname. <laughs> and he's matured a lot over the last couple of years. But again, two years ago, he lit the guy in the face in the playoffs. So that caused a whole another set of things. So I think Will Ospreay and Brad Marchand, yeah, that's a very, very, very good comparison. <laughs> uh, and his other question, he says, if any, what's your must-go-to spots every time in Tokyo? Any underrated districts you like to visit? For example, uh, mine are Jimboko and Nakano. Jimbocho with the books. Yeah. And Nakano Broadway with just all the big stuff. Of course, look, you're going to hear about um, the Shibuyas, the Shinjukus, um, Akihabara, all those, you know, Harajuku, all those places. Man, just going into random shrines and seeing seeing the peace and tranquility steps away from the madness that is Tokyo mm. is really inspiring. I love going to onsens. I, it took a little bit to get over the weird nudity ness of it. But once I did, I absolutely – I loved it. Jimbocho is a really nice place. You're right, the, with all the books there. That's really cool. On the, It's just down the down the street from Tokyo Dome. Um, there's a – there's – there's a spot, and again, if if I was to move to Tokyo, I would be looking to find a spot in Hakusan Station, which is two stops up from uh, from Sudabashi from the Dome. It's a great little neighborhood in Bunkyo. That's that's where I'd be trying to to find an apartment and and start start my life over there. Yeah, uh, you know, there's so many like. Yeah, it's just Tokyo. If you just walk around, you go into 
you guys know you go into you, you go into Tokyo Station and you're down below and, and the amount of sweet counters, there's no there's no possible way you can try everything you want to, right? <laughs> it's wild. It's wild. I, you know, I yeah, it's Tokyo is wonderful. But uh, I will say the when we talk about Tokyo, the place that blew my mind was Yokohama, mm. which was you know, 15, 20 minutes train away. And I, you know, I've, I've never been out to California, but it certainly felt like a Los Angeles, California feel in Yokohama mm. compared to being in the hustle and bustle of, of Tokyo. But yeah, no, I, you know, for me, it's just the drive to get back to get back to Japan. I mean, it's, it's not like I thought about it every day since COVID. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can see the look on uh Mav's face. I mean, yeah, he, this is a man that is driven to get back to Japan. Yes, yeah, it's it's wild, man. And, and so I want to go to Japan now too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely. Yeah, you know what? And and look, and that's as well for for this this what's going on. You know, as I said, Kevin Kelly is the best in the business right now, and that is his chair. And I'm not, I'm not taking his chair. I know that. But it's not happening. I want to learn from Kevin as much as I can. I want to work with Chris. want to work with Rocky. want to work with Gino. And when when the opportunities open up, I want to, you know, would like to be the fill-in. You know, I'm backup point guard. But that said, I look at stardom and – I just see an opportunity there. Yes. Yeah. Really, really, really hope that something can happen in the future with stardom, with, with, with stardom Joshi wrestling. Um, I, you know, I've, I've been politicking, if you will, (laughs) uh, to find some ways to contact some people over there. And I've been trying to open some channels, but yeah, stardom, Stardom is the where I, for for myself, and I know I, and it's not a disrespect to New Japan because there's there could be things opening up when this whole COVID thing happens, but to get an opportunity with Stardom as well would definitely be something that I is something that I'm really hoping can can come to fruition as well. So again, just talking it out in the universe. I mean, it's just us. It's just us, right? It's, we're just here. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just us and the thousands of people that download us every week. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if that were to hypothetically ever happen, we've got just the guy for you to talk to, okay? okay. Because this – this podcast network, we, we're not just about New Japan. We're not just about WWEs and stuff like that. We are the home of Dr. Joshi. Joshi. And he might not be as well-known as some of the other big names out there on the Twitterverse because he's not on Twitter. But James Boyd is the guy that you need. To, if you end up working there and you need mm-hmm. the inside scoop. On storylines, angles, everything. feuds, rivalries. We've got the guy to, to set you up with, and he, he will Perfect. he'll get it all set up for you. Yeah, I'm I'm down to learn as you know, and I'm learning as much as I can as I go along with Stardom as well. And it's, um, but yes, yeah, any any help as well as hey, uh, <laughs> we're, we're, boys. The, the end of the day, 
We're talking wrestling. Guys, this is just <laughs> the best. I say this before I interview. Like, if I see a kid is nervous before I'm about to interview him in hockey, I always try to try to pop him with, okay, so just remember, we're not talking about the effect the Chinese economy has on Asian trade markets due to the pandemic. We're going to talk about hockey right now, so let's just have some fun. <laughs> and you, at that point, I get a smile out of the kid. It, like, this is, yeah, this, you know. Well, well the funny thing is, James Boyd, host of uh, One Nation Radio, he doesn't even like being called Dr. Joshi. This is the name that I've affectionately given to him f- for years now. But um, we've got uh, about 20 minutes left. We've got a couple more questions sure. here to go through. So let's try to run through them as quickly as possible. Viking Pain asked us, Lasombra, back in NJPW, yay or nay? And I'm going to go with a nay. Oh. Really? Not a nay because I want it to be a nay. But I'm going to say nay based off of the current situation that we're in with uh, COVID. COVID and with money and everything like that. I think he's showing up in AEW, personally. Yeah, he did copyright La Sombra for U.S. use, so AEW appearance could be imminent. Yeah, it would. I mean, again, in, in the six months now, probably not, but... Moving forward with a forbidden door that is opening. (laughs) So you guys are both yays? Yeah. Nice. uh, He also asked, with Dave Finley's victory over Jay White and his outstanding work in the New Japan Cup and Okan being the breakout star of the United Empire, is it safe to say that both men will be in the G1 this year? And who would you take out from last year? My pick would be my picks would be Yujiro and Minoru Suzuki. Yujiro's run last year was great. Suzuki's going to be 53 by G1 time. I say send Suzuki to America to do strong and let the man rest and preserve his body longer. U.S. champ Suzuki, question mark. Yeah, we, we, we kind of touched on this earlier, but that, it's really a tough call here. I mean, honestly, Yudro is the, the only the one guy I could say for sure in, that I, I would take out. When I look at the rest of the lineup from last year, like, I know people that they harp on Suzuki's age, but he's still performing at a high level. I have a hard time taking him out. Yeah, did he not have some of the best matches in the tournament last year? Yeah, Ishii, Kota Ibushi, like, come on. Yeah, uh, Yoshihashi is another name people might want to throw out, but he had a great tournament and has been doing great as well. I, I, it's it's gonna be hard. it's so hard to to take anybody else out. Yujiro's the only one that comes to my mind. Like for sure, get him out of there. But everybody else, I think, has a right to be in there. Yeah, Yujiro again came was you know was fortunate of the circumstances that he got a nice run in in the G1. He won a match. So it's, you know, again, to as I said, I'm a Yujiro Takahashi mark. But you, we are right. The caliber of wrestler in the G1, when things open up and when we have opportunities to bring a few more guys into the country, you're going to see it kind of become a logjam. But Josh is... Josh might be right. It may be time to go with 24 and open up the open things up a little more. They, I know they, they were talking about maybe 12 before. So 12 per per pool. I mean, at one time the thing was a single elimination tournament. It's yeah. always evolving. Right. My my whole thinking with hypothetically if they did four blocks, right? You do the A and B block winners against each other at the end. The C and D block winners and then the winners of those two can go on. You preserve a lot of singles matches throughout the year. You preserve the, the bodies of a lot of these wrestlers because they work a less strenuous schedule. And you get to do more shows 
long-term, thus making more money. So I feel like that's the way to go long-term. But um, if, hypothetically, we stayed with the two blocks of 10, I can throw a name out there right now, aside from Yujiro, that needs to get the fuck out of the G1 right now. Evil? Nope, because that's not realistic, even <laughs> though I would I would totally get behind that. Toriano needs to get the fuck oh, out of yes, the G1. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now I know I, I understand all the arguments for why he's there, the role he fills. I've made those arguments on the air. But at this point, if they were like next year being like, you know what, Yano's just you know, he's a comedy guy, he's gonna be over here, I would be totally fine with it if perhaps we got a John Moxley or a LaSombra or whoever it might be instead of Yano. Who's never going to win it. Right. Making a room for Ocon Finley. Exactly. I, I'd be totally fine with that. It's a fair point. I just think that <laughs> you, get, you get a lot out of Yano in that G1. You do get a lot out of Yano in that G1. And it is uh, a different style of match. The crazy like a Fox match. And it's also kind of... You're you're not gonna get complaints out of me that Yano's yeah. in the G one. I'm fine with it. Hypothetically, though, with the limited roster, I would be fine if we diverged from it. Because, like you said, it's always changing. He's been a staple yeah. for so long. Maybe it's time we we go a different way. I don't know. Yeah, it's you know it's it, when someone gets hit three times with a turnbuckle pad as opposed to taking. A bump on the apron, a massive <laughs> throw to the, to the floor, and then maybe something off the top rope. Maybe they might be thinking, uh, Yano match, I wouldn't mind a Yano match. <laughs> you know, when Josh eventually becomes fully trained and, you know, gets down to G1 in some time in the future, maybe he'll he'll want a Yano match instead. Bro, I'm going to be the I'm gonna be the Yano. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> last last question from Viking Pain. He said, non-NJPW related question, but thoughts on WWE banning the thigh slap, and is that something that is actually taught in wrestling class, or is it just a trade secret that's passed down from one wrestler to another? Um, I, I think banning the, the thigh slap is dumb. Um, it's, it's just one of those things, you, you really don't notice it unless you're looking for it. Um, it, it makes a great sound effect. It, it makes super kicks and claymore kicks and sick kicks and you know all all insecurities. It just makes them sound so much better and, and look, look great. And I think it's just one of those instinct. Uh, Josh, you can tell us from your wrestling training, but I think it's instinct. You know, when I did backyard wrestling, I instantly slapped my thigh when I was doing kicks because I, I wanted I wanted to sound off and. So I, I don't know if you know if, if Matt's you know teaching you guys uh, thigh slaps or what 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 the the role is there. Kayfabe, brother. Kayfabe. <laughs> I can tell you, I, whenever I super kick anyone at the office, I slap the thigh. Yes. <laughs> my my foot's not going much higher than my hip, but it's all right. They they understand the purpose of what's going on here. When 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 I was doing Muay Thai, I would throw a uh, you know a leg kick and then I would slap the thigh, and people were like, man, really laying in that shit. <laughs> <laughs> BJ Baker yeah. asked us. He said, "What NJPW wrestler that hasn't competed in blood sport would you like to see in that setting?" Also, the world still wants to know if uh, Jeremy Donovan has seen. 
the actual movie Bloodsport 1988 yet. Yes, I did see Bloodsport, and it, we did talk about that on the show. I forget when exactly when it was, but yes, I have watched the movie Bloodsport. I cannot confirm this. I didn't watch Jeremy actually see the movie, so <laughs> this is his word. He's an honorable man, so I believe he's telling the truth, but uh, I can't say I, I can't say I know 100%. I'm like 98%. Kumite. <laughs> there you go. You I had a, I had a, I, again, this is a senior football story. We had a crazy defensive end that came and sacked a quarterback and he ripped the towel off of his belt and then wrapped it around his leg. Like he was, uh, <laughs> like he was one of the funniest things I ever saw. I was busted up on the sidelines. Um, uh, blood sport, you know, you know, if you're going to take him out of the G1, let's put Toro Yano in blood sport. All right. <laughs> hey, you know what? Shoot, shooter Yano. Dude, you know that, what? that's like so, not even a fake thing though, but he's actually had MMA experience. He's actually had real fights. He's like an incredible amateur wrestler. He probably would fucking rule in Bloodsport. <laughs> that's the thing. It would be a great, it would be such a great departure from the Yano, you know, to see him come back out as the, you know, the badass amateur wrestler background and just kicks ass. Uh, I want to go, or he holds up his chair and tries to get you to scan your QR code. I'm going to go with uh, David Finley. I, I know he has an amateur wrestling background. You know, he busts out that Granby role. Uh, I think he could guy if he he leans more on the amateur background. He could probably fit in there. I I've got two names that I would throw out there. I mean, there's a lot I could. Hypoth- oh man. I'm looking through the personnel list, and there's like three guys that I would want to see. I'm going to throw them all out there because it's my show, and I can do whatever the fuck I want to do. ZSJ, mm. Kota Ibushi, yeah. and Tomohiro Ishii. I want I want all of them in Bloodsport. I don't give a fuck. That would be incredible. Uh, it would just be a, something to make sure that Kota Ibushi had the directions to find the place. <laughs> <laughs> but once he gets... Once he gets yeah, there, he gets to, uh, you know, enact his uh, K1 or K2, you know, roots. And, um, I mean, we've seen him. You know, he's actually done shoot shoot wrestling in um, DDT. He actually had actual shoot matches and things like things of that nature. Plus, the match he had with Suzuki during the G1 this year was, like, basically a UWFI match anyways, pretty much. So, um, yeah, like, I would say he's probably number one on the list for me. Yeah, I can't believe anything about Ibushi. Yeah, that would be. I just picture him and Taichi kicking each other for for twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, next question here from Dom Hoy One Hundred One. He says, "So with Andrade getting his walking papers from WWE, how likely is it to see La Sombra in a New Japan ring in the near future? How would he fit into the company, and how would the company use him if he does come to New Japan? What would be some ideal opponents for La Sombra and NJPW?" I would I think like. We'll, oh, go ahead. I think he fits right into right back into Los Ingobernables. I was thinking just, the same thing. Yeah. Just have him. In, I mean, they lost Evil, and and Hiromu's on the shelf. It's a perfect fit. Yeah, bring him back into Lij. Um, I mean, you could have him. You know, there's, there's no more IC title. I would say he can try and reclaim that. You know, he he can get that that never title mix. Why not Tanahashi versus Sombra? 
Bro, at this point, he's a former WWE star. You know how they like to roll the he's, red he's carpet. He's getting a world title match. Yeah, he's getting an IWGB world title match. And not only that, I see him as usurping authority from his, um, what, what's the word in Spanish? Like the uh, Hermano. His pareja. Because Naito's his pareja. Mm-hmm. And he's be like, he needs to just roll up in there and be like, the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> this is my group. This is not your group. And he needs to just kick Naito out of that shit and just take take it over. And then, like, you think everyone's going to join Naito, but then, like, we've seen through the years how many times Naito's been jumped and everybody in LIJ did not come to help him. There's no true allegiance in this group. <laughs> this, this man, Lissandra, is going to come back. Sonata's going to back him. Shingo's going to back him. Naito's high school friend. <laughs> Bushi's going to back him. And then Hiromu's going to come out with his like arm in a sling, and he's going to back Lissandra, and like, Naito's going to be a man on his own. That's going to be his new like you know storyline. He can finally go back to being a Stardust genius. Yeah, or whatever. <laughs> whatever he wants to do. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a list of ideal opponents for him. Uh, I mean, I know he's gonna be in LJ, but him Okada. for Sh- Shingo would be great. Okada, Tanahashi, Jay White, um, Osprey, uh, Ibushi, Ishii. For me, Ishii versus whoever XYZ wrestlers. That's always the dream match for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then his uh, last question, he's got one one fight question for the young boy this week. Thoughts on the rumors of Mike Tyson turning down a $25 million offer to fight Evander Holyfield? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that's actually news to me. I had heard through the rumor mill that they were uh, lining up a charity slash exhibition fight between Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield. Um But if Mike Tyson was turning it down, I don't know. That's kind of surprising to me. But, like, guys, I mean, I don't know. Evander Holyfield's, my, like, one of my top two or three favorite fighters of all time. And I'm telling you right now, I don't care, like, I don't know if you guys gone and seen, like, the social media stuff with, like, Evander. Six months ago, Evander probably wouldn't have been able to take Mike. But, like, he's gotten himself in a phenomenal shape. And, like, if I was Evander, or I'm sorry, if I was Mike, I wouldn't fight Evander. <laughs> because he is the real fucking deal. And he would beat Mike Tyson's ass right now that Mike Tyson that fought Roy Jones Evander Holyfield would piece him up (laughs) then like they could pay him 25 million they could pay him 50 million 100 million it doesn't matter he's gonna get beat up again for the third time in a row there's a reason he bit this man's ear in the second fight because he because it's a it's a terrible style fight for Mike Tyson and it always will be Who's uh, who's Nate Robinson going to fight on the undercard? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, <laughs> Probably nobody. No, he, <laughs> no, Nate Nate learned his lesson. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like uh, I could, I that that Tyson to turn down twenty five million to fight Holyfield. As you said, Holyfield ate ate his lunch back in ninety seven. I don't see Mike Tyson at fifty five being able to compete with Holyfield again. Smart turn down. Oh, oh, oh. Three hours ago, TMZ uh, posted, Mike Tyson says fight with Evander Holyfield is officially on for May 29th. So maybe it's happening. Oh. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> wow. Maybe, maybe you got right. a, big, a bigger deal, maybe. Maybe. Here's the thing. It's going to be an exhibition. 
So, yeah. you know, I don't know if you guys saw that, like, Roy Jones fight. It was, like, great, and it was inspiring, but, like, it kind of seemed like it, it was a gentleman's agreement, basically. It yeah. worked. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. The, the highlight was Nate Robinson and Snoop Dogg. <laughs> yeah, so yesterday they said the, day, the deal fell apart a couple hours ago. SB Nation and TMZ are saying that it is official, so we'll see. We'll see. Nice. Well, last, Vander Holyfield's going to beat his ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last thing to uh, close here with recommended match of the week. So last week, uh, Josh recommended to us to watch Koji Kanemoto versus Marafuji. Uh, this match was just absolutely incredible. I don't know why more people are not talking ever talk about this match. Told you, uh, high pace, hard hitting. These guys are striking the crap out of each other. Um, brutal leg kicks, big strikes, big slaps. Uh, Kanemoto is killing Marafuji with leg kicks throughout the match. Uh, great spots like Marafuji hitting a brain buster on the apron. Great strike oh. exchanges. Marafuji, great submissions. Um, you, got, you got the trio woe spot. Kanemoto gets um, Marafuji in the trio woe, and they're just slapping each other back and forth in the trio woe. Um, Kanemoto hitting a super belly to belly, a super uh, cradle driver off the top, dropping Marafuji right on his head was incredible. And then, How hot was Corkin Hall? Oh, Corkin was so hot. They were firmly behind uh, Kanemoto. You had a few people that were trying to cheer Marafuji, but they were getting drowned out by the Kanemoto fans. And uh, Kanemoto. Uh, Eventually fell to Marafuji, uh, fell that Marafuji driver, and Marafuji won the IWGB title on that night. Yeah, I love this match. I might like it better better than any of the Kenta Marafuji matches, and that is super high praise. Um, Kanemoto's a badass, man. Um, He's like the junior Kojima. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Maz, we are going to throw it to you to pick uh, the recommended match of the week this week. Recommended match of the week, and we were just speaking about them. Let's go on May 31st, 2013, from uh, Arena Mexico, Nakamura versus La Sombra, where La Sombra takes the IC title. Oh, I love that match. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I haven't seen that one. I watched two out of three falls match. I watched the match because in our Nakamura series that we did um, during uh, the pandemic, when stuff was shut down, we talked about the match where Kazuna Road match, I think it was, where Nakamura got the belt back. So I haven't yeah. seen this one. So I've watched this match. It's great. Uh, big recommend. So yeah, that's a good recommend. Yeah. So watch that. Now, one thing before we go, gentlemen. And I got this sent to me by a friend of mine, and I want you to think this is going to make us all feel real old. What happened 20 years ago today? WWE bought WWE. That's the one, boys. <laughs> My God. <laughs> That's almost old enough to drink where you guys are at, and it's it's already developed a bit of a problem where I'm at. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Well, Mavs, thanks so much for joining us this week. Uh, Get your plugs in. Tell our listeners where they can find you online or listen to you uh, doing broadcast. Yeah, sure. So, of course, you know, I'm on Twitter at Mavs Gillis for most of my wrestling, for for all my wrestling stuff. My hockey and everything up here in Atlanta, Canada is, uh, you can see it at 
on Twitter at Eastlink Mavs. And I'm also doing some writing for uh, Monthly Pro Rest. Um, so you can find that on Twitter as well. And uh, yeah, New Japan, NJPWWorld.com. I'm a searchable term on that website. <laughs> still blows my mind. <laughs> that is awesome, so, man. Yeah. We, we, are, we are too, but only on the extension. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you use that extension. You get that nice slider of, for, for keeping a strong style. But we are on New Japan World in that uh, Jushin Thunder Liger uh, New York uh, documentary thing. You mean you are? No, you're there too. Oh, I am. Yeah, me, you, Karen, Rich. We're all we're all right there, front and center, next to Liger during that uh, MSG uh, press conference thing. Huh? That's beautiful. Uh, my my day by the first time you see me on NJPWWorld.com, I am standing behind Liger after the uh, El Desperado versus Hiromu Takahashi from. Kazuna Road in 2018, I believe. Yeah, I remember that. So you, you you see as the things as it's going to break, uh, I run down and I'm standing up. Uh, at Liger's point, I'm wearing a Suzuki Gun shirt, and I'm just uh, <laughs> I'm just being an idiot in the background of the camera. Um, but little did I know. Two and a half hours before, I had a meeting that changed my life forever. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thanks again so much for joining us, Mavs. Uh, next week, we'll be back to preview and give our official predictions for Secure Genesis. So if you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuplex.com. Slash donate. Click on that donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KI Strong Style. Our network is at Social Suplex. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. On Facebook, we are Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. You join us in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Instagram, we're at Social Suplex. On Reddit, I'm the Pro Black Guy. Josh is keeping it strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at Social Suplex.com. Check out our Discord server, Social Suplex. Link for that is in the description for the show. And check out all the other shows here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Uh, we have One Nation Radio, which is uh, currently in hiatus right now with Fritzhide and James Boyd. They will be back uh, in a couple of weeks. We have the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show from Scotland. We have the Grave Consequences Podcast with Caleb and Maserati. 8-Bit Suplex with Josh Number 2 and Sandy. All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin. And the Great Match Generator with Danny. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review, and we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Samsa winning his predictions was an inside job. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. See you next time.